to episode 21 of Zapped to the Past. My name is Adrian Mills and I am joined as ever by Graham Raddings. If you haven't listened before, this is a podcast where we discuss games that were released for the Commodore 64. We are using the magazine Zap 64 as a monthly guide for the games to focus on, but we are in no way affiliated with Zap 64 itself. In episode 21, which covers the pretty average month of March 1986, we're going to be looking at the first batch of games from issue 11 of Zap64, along with what was going on in UK music that month. So Graham, tell us exactly what we can expect in this episode. In this pixel-infused omni-sack of an episode, we get our victory tags in a twist with Mercenary, cry ourselves to isometric sleep with Nightshade, consider trepanning ourselves with the head-drilling Dragon Skull, and feel the speedy arcade goodness of Iridium. Along the way, we also painfully shepherd some Ramboids with one man and his droid, cry for the two-bit sample Duck Deaths in Kane, and get our icons in a pixel spin with the confusing Enigma Force. Send me a postcard from Targ. Yeah, a lot to look forward there. So without further ado, let's crack on. Uh, and our first game this month is Mercenary, which is the which is a cover game, I do believe. So the cover of this month's Zap64 was devoted to Mercenary, showing a spaceship shooting people. Nicely, very nice Oliver Frey cover. It's beautiful, however inaccurate, just to point out that the <laughs> spaceship is filled in and complete, and the mercenary spaceship has no sides. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. That that's the, that, that rendition of mercenary sort of thing is, is an artistic appreciation of the game and, yes. and not the experience that you will experience playing mercenary. No. So what is mercenary? Mercenary. Mercenary is, well, it's another vector graphics adventure um, on the C64, Let's get out of the way. The, the vector graphics are better than what we've seen before. You know, they are faster and they do move at a, a, a fairly decent, okay-ish rate. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I can see you looking at me with that raised eyebrow. Oh, yes. <laughs> that, they you, move at you such do, a pace. It's, it's astonishing. That raised eyebrow, that voodoo that you do. <laughs> as long as the screen's not too busy with the vectors, it's all good, right? Well, yeah. okay, yes. All right, let's... It's, 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 it's vector graphics. That's what it is. And Mercenary finds you flying through space. And in our introduction... You uh, basically you crash land in quite a, a nice sequence actually on the barren planet of Targ. Is it Targ? I presume it's Targ. I think it is Targ. T A R G. Targ. Targ. Uh, you, you crash land. You crash land in your ship and you find yourself near a handy uh, ship cellar. Uh, a seller of ships. Most convenient where you crash can... ever, just for putting it out there. Absolutely, you know. Actually, no, it's not. That's in uh, San Andreas. True. Uh, where, the rock, where the rock crashes next to that clothes shop. True. Which sells outsized clothes just for him. <laughs> That's the <laughs> most convenient. That. Yeah. That's the most convenient crash ever. <laughs> so, you know, in, in the, in you know, this, you can, so, anyway. Lineage. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, it's all lineage. San Andreas, from Mercenary to San Andreas. And back again. 
<laughs> I'm back again in one fell swoop. Right, so, mercenary. Oh, yeah, at this point, there's a ship. Uh, you get contacted by your friendly computer that speaks to you throughout, giving you uh, information about the planet. You can buy the ship because you're offered to buy it. You have some money or you can steal it and go hog wild. And at that point, you get a message saying, go to these coordinates and off you go. And it's up to you. It is an open world, a pretty barren open world, but still an open world of green and blue. Uh, which allows you to kind of pretty much do what you want to do and your goal is to get off the planet and doing it any way, shape or form you wish. There are two factions which you can pit against each other. Did you write down the name of the factions? I didn't and I no, surely should have done no. is it. The is it the mechanoids and the something else's? That the would Targians? have required a level of interest <laughs> I didn't have, I'm afraid, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Okay, all right. You see, um, I, right. I'm going to apologise now. You see where this is going to go. <laughs> we thought we did. We have discussed this, and we were like, yes, we we're, we're in elite. We're in elite territory again. Some something and like that. No, we are. We are. <laughs> yeah. We don't. We can approve. So, mercenary. It is ahead. We'll get some things out of the way. It's pretty much ahead of its time. It's a big open world. It's a very early example of something you can go in 3D. You can go travelling around. There are things to find. There are things to do. I think because I couldn't really find much to do. I found an elevator at the location I was supposed to go to, and then I went down the elevator, <laughs> and then it, and, and then I wandered around purple rooms and blue rooms and green rooms and brown rooms. Oh my! Um, absolutely, yeah. The the vector graphics they they warped and they twisted at me and they they mesmerized me as I wandered through door after door and found objects that I picked up. Yeah, uh, I there's a lot of you no. Know, I appreciate what they're trying to do here, sort of thing. I get it, sort of thing, and I, I get the. You know, this was 98% of the gold medal and Zap raved about it. They loved it. This was Paul Wokes. This was his sequel to Encounter. Encounter's a game we missed out on, actually. We should have looked at that because that's that tank yeah. game, isn't it? That was, that was pretty yeah. good. Sorry, Paul. We never Paul. did talk about that one. Sorry, Paul. But, but So this is a sequel. So this is a, you know, it's a big open world, explore-a-thon, do what you want, play the sides off against each other, a la, what was that Bruce Willis film, Last Man Standing? Or that, or the... Goodness <laughs> I don't know why I went to that. <laughs> well, you can play both sides off against each other. <laughs> Yeah. You know, what's the other one as well? Or the classic um, Kurosawa one? Is there a Kurosawa one where he gets people, where the Yojimbo comes into town? Is it yeah, Yojimbo? Yeah, well, that's the one where Yojimbo comes into town, to be fair. That's... And then plays two sides off against each other. Yeah, it's, it's two, they remade it into that Clint Eastwood movie, didn't they? Um, yes. What's uh, it called? Was that... Two Towns for, for Jimmy Jimbo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not the outlaw Jace Wales, is it? Fistful of, fistful of dollars. It's, uh, it's the uh, I, yeah, one with paint the town. Where paints no. the is it the one where he paints the town yeah, red? It's pale Rider. That's it. Whew. God, I feel relieved. That's Pale Rider. Is it? I thought it was one of his spaghetti westerns. That is one of his spaghetti westerns. No, it's not. Pale Rider. It's, it's Pale Rider. <laughs> okay, I'm sure it's not, it's not right. two mules for Sister Sarah. It's not. Or is and, it um, every which way but loose? No. With the no, with, no the, put, with the comic uh, orangutan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mercenary. <laughs> Back to mercenary. <laughs> Back to mercenary. It, there's a lot of game here. If you and I, we do know that there are a lot of people who really appreciate mercenary and they really do like it. They get into it and it allows you to wander around and do stuff. And you can there's an Atari sign and there's a Commodore sign and you can shoot them. A Hunter's app. I didn't find them. I didn't find a lot. That was the problem. I flew around a lot and I saw some wiggly white vectors and I couldn't really find it and i played this for quite a while a good couple of hours and i just couldn't find anything to really hook me in sort of thing i got lost in the, the tunnels underneath oh i'm sorry i just it's not it's just not for me it's just empty barren wandering i couldn't i don't know did you like it let's see if we've got a, a different viewpoint and I, i'm gonna think we're not gonna get one <laughs> i tried i tried i tried to like it i really tried i gave it like a proper shot 
And I wasn't, I'd played it way back in the day and I already knew that I didn't like it before I even replayed it for this because I don't like slow vector games that have a preponderance of a single colour, whether it's black for space or green for ground, whatever. So I already knew that I, it was on a back footing, but I really wanted to give it a go. So I did. I made a conscious effort to really try and escape from Targ, thinking, right, you know what? I'm going to get into this. And I just couldn't. You I mean, with these games, right, you've got to suspend your disbelief a lot because they are, mm -hmm. okay, it's vector graphics, it's graphic representations of stuff, whether it's, and the, the intro sequence is quite in, interesting where you crash land on the planet, you've got the big sort of the planet that zooms into view. It gives you a good idea of the speed of the vectors, which are a little bit faster than Elite, I have to say. No problem with that. Problem is, it's just, you buy the spaceship at the beginning, and then it's like, then what? That's the that's the beauty of the game, isn't it? Well, then yeah, what? Well, it's up to some you. Some people say that. And I actually, <laughs> and, I, and I did what you did. I wandered around this landscape for ages and ages and ages and ages, just flying around at different heights, looking at stuff periodically, not really knowing anything to do. So I thought, you know what, I better get some instructions for this. I better, I want to try and, as was my plan, to get a bit more into it. So I, I went on the internet, as you do, found a bit of a description of what to do, flew to some coordinates, figured out the kind of coordinate system by sheer luck, flew around. It took forever to get anywhere, forever. So, you know, I was just bored of looking at nothing, really. It was just flying around. And that isn't my favourite thing to do. And there have been many games that have tried my patience with that. When I finally did get to the underground base, which was essentially a, a vector building, okay, I'm going to elide the fact that, you know, there's a suspended disbelief, it's a building and it's got stuff in it. Go in the lift, go down. And I was just wandering around, essentially, empty space with doorways. And mm -hmm. there was periodically things in the doorways. As you, just as you say, it was just boring, 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 boring. Sorry, but it's boring. I picked things up. The one thing I picked up that I looked interesting... It then kept telling me to put it back down. Please put our leader back down. Put him back down. Put whatever you do, put that back down. <laughs> it's like, that's the only thing that looked interesting to pick up. I have no context for the things I picked up. I didn't know what I was supposed to do with them. Do I collect them? Am I, supposed, I mean, I get the idea of escaping from Targ, but this game is just a game of vector chance. If you happen upon something that <laughs> actually leads you to story and you have a chance of figuring it out, great. But you could spend a long time doing nothing. And there's even a warning in the instructions, which says, if you happen to crash land in the desert, God help you, because you're going to have to walk for days to try and get out of that. <laughs> it just, it says those, those I know, it says that. I know, I, I saw it. Yeah, I and saw you know that what? as well. I'm like, okay, so this is a game where you stand a chance of being stranded in a desert and you have to walk out of the desert and you won't die because you don't really die in it. I'm just like, you know what? No, this is just a massive scale, super scale vector collector mop. And the problem mm -hmm. is with this is that no matter how much technical cleverness there is in all of the vectors, and it is all mathematically amazing, you know, I suspect there's brains out there who go, oh, the vectors, you know, and they, and they get giddy off that. For me, I have to collect things from point A, do stuff with them at point B, make that less complicated than this is, because it for me, the journey from A to B was so boring, I lost interest, and I, and I didn't really want to escape from Targ in the end. I thought, you know what, I could form a little colony here, I could live here, it's all right. Now I've crash-landed here, I'll just make my, I'll make, I'll, I'll be settled with my lot. I'm not going to try and escape from Targ. There's no desperate need. Everything I need is kind of here, probably. I'm just going to have to super, you know, scoot around and find it. I'm, I'm going to live in Targ. I'll, I'll settle. So that was my <laughs> so that was my plan. That was my goal. So I crashed over on Targ. I thought, you know what? Escape's unnecessary. I'm living here. That was me done. I'm, I'm going to make a make a living for myself. Yeah. I'm going to sell. I'm going to sell. Uh, I'm going to pick know. up the leaders that they don't want me to pick up. Just sell them, probably. <laughs> but you know what? Sell what bit, I'm not going to do green. is escape because. At the end of the day, I don't need to escape from this game. It's, it didn't feel like there was an urgency for escaping, by the way. So I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to live. I'll live on Targ. Thanks very much. End yeah. of game. And that game ended for me when I decided that's it for me. 
Targ is the place I want to be. <laughs> Who don't want to live on Targ? Come to Targ. It's awesome. So that was it. Sun, sea and chippy tea at Targ. <laughs> All done. <laughs> it's like the uh, 64 equivalent of Bournemouth. Exactly. Or yeah. Eastbourne. Exactly. So I'm at my retirement. I crash landed in Eastbourne and I'm staying here. That's yeah, exactly. it. I'm done. It is. It is. It's, it's just if you crash landed in a place where you had a chance, a chance of being stranded in the desert, but you happen to have landed handily enough you crash landed on this on a spaceship seller it's like it's like crash it's crashing your car into a garage that sells gives away free cars or sells cars for cheap <laughs> no you know what yeah. i'm just gonna live here you know it's, it looks all right targ looked okay it wasn't terrible there was no animals murdering anybody there was no danger really no, no there was no that, that, that is my problem with mercenary massively there's no imminent danger there's no worry there's no threat you could just live there so you know if you want me to leave targ make it Make an, uh, why is he a mercenary anyway? What, what's mercenary about it? Well, I suppose because you can play the two sides off against each other, which is mercenary-like yes. behaviour. Well, yeah, and there is there is alternate ways of escaping, Targ. If yeah, you, you choose can escape in path, a bit of cheese. I chose option three, the Kirk method. <laughs> I rewrote the parameters of the game. Kobe Ashimaru doesn't apply to me. I am living on Targ now. I love it. In fact, I'm the mayor of Targ. And you're welcome to come and stay. We've got new hotels being built. It's an amazing place. Come and stay in Targ. Come to tag, but those <laughs> hotels can't be too close together because the, uh, the the graphics, the vectors won't won't handle. No, 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 too, no. <laughs> won't handle too many hotels next to each other, and you'll fall out because you'll just walk out the, past the walls. Exactly, which no is, elaborate you know, doorways. We'll, no, absolutely, and don't 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 have a shower because all the walls are see through. Yes, and handily enough, some of the rooms will transport you to an alternate location by some kind of noise. So you'll go in, it's not like a lift, you go in the noise, you get nyang well, and then you, you just walk out the door and you're in alter. It's like Narnia. The amount of times that's happened to me in the local pub. Gone in one to, to door, come out the other. Yeah, that's because you were drunk. I was I crash landed on tag. That's the way I look at it. It's an MO. To be fair, to be fair, noise noise-based teleportation is a uh, you know, is uh, <laughs> an often overlooked technology for our future. Yes. Um, how you know, annoying it is too. Just imagine how, how different the fly would have been if it had just done it with uh, noise-based teleportation instead of those, uh, those sort of gnarly pods. Yes, and my final note is just on the basic architecture of the buildings. They invented the triangle doorway, and for me, that's a winner because that is vector-safe. <laughs> that's, that's a vector-safe doorway. If you've got a rectangle doorway, there's far too many vector points. Triangle doors, there's only one. Good mathematics, that is. And excellent yeah. for uh, rendering in a 8-bit computer that's not great at rendering vectors. So well done. Well done. <laughs> well done. Boring game mercenary, though. Boring. Yeah. Sorry sorry for fans, but boring. Yeah, we, we, we can't like everything. And we like what we like, and we don't like what we don't like. And that's just the way of the world. And we're, you know, I we're really too old to change it. But the problem is, I mean, well, I mean, I remember i do remember playing this because it was the thing you know if something gets 98 percent in zap you're gonna you're gonna track it down and you're gonna play it and i remember back then going eh what, what am i supposed to do and i didn't know back then i don't know now i feel i feel like i've spent you know 30 odd years of my life sort of thing and i've got no more wiser about mercenary no i don't know there is parts of it i, I quite i actually quite like the, the the sort of the attempt at you know the sprawlingness of it is quite impressive sort of thing the loneliness of it this, that's you know technically quite impressive, but the problem is, is it's 
this you know condense this into a city that you've got to try to escape from and just you know, give you some boundary and it's like probably be a bit more interesting as it is it's just a lot of green yes that's vastness Empty green. vastness i know i know is it fine. is yeah but what i mean is vastness is fine on an xbox 360 or beyond vastness on an 8-bit machine is usually just the same color a lot yeah with the odd dot with the odd dot I mean, how much circling over the city sort of, uh, I want to say vector graphic, but it looked just looked like a circuit board. How much circling over that city did you do, such as it was, to try and figure out? I was like zooming in, zooming out, flapping about. Honestly, if you'd have seen me flying that mercenary <laughs> ship, considering it was like a st- interstellar craft. No. Uh, Too much. No, no, no. Just thank God that you didn't have to dock. That's the only, and I did, that was, a, I was grateful Ooh. for the small mercies because... You could just get out the spaceship, get in the spaceship, and just, you know, and there was some basic simple keyboard commands. Thank God for that, because I was thinking, you know, if I have to fly this thing in a meaningful way, I'm hopeless, because I was all over the shop. I mean, I was dangerous. <laughs> so that's why I'm living on Targ. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one for vector travel. It's, 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 it upsets my stomach. I get headaches. <laughs> well, I put, I put that. I put the, the graphics while speedy hurt my eyes and made it hard to focus properly. Yes. Not in the game, in life. In I was looking life, away sort yeah. of thing, and, and, and when I turned to look <laughs> away from my screen sort of thing, well, the walls were warping. Yes, was, you know, as I as I turned, walls uh, warpage. There was pl- muchage warpage. You can only like concentrate it. on vector lines for so long before you don't want to look at them anymore for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's so, true. No, anyway, no. that's mercenary. We we you know there is an appreciation of the tech behind it and everything like that, but it's not for us. And we're not you know there you go. You know us by now. We're not going to like this. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> sorry, sorry, but <laughs> there you go. No. Right, let's move on. <laughs> to our next game, which is Nightshade. Uh, is, that, is, that a, is that a deadly plant? I don't know. It, it is, is actually. De- there is deadly nightshade. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, uh, I'd rather have that than this. Go tell us. Tell us about nightshade, Graham. This is an isometric game, and it is an ultimate license to Firebird. Yes. And it is a Spectrum port of the Sinclair Spectrum game. This is the same guy from Saberwolf, I believe. The same person, I think. Yeah, Saber dude. Whatever it's called, Saber man. And you are apparently in this a night. And you've got to go into the plague-infested village of Nightshade and get rid of four demons, and then all of the people in the village have been transformed into nightmare, horrible creatures, vampires, supernatural stuff. And then you've got to basically go through all of that and turn the various monsters into a different colour. The long and the short of this is it's just wander around stuff and uh, locate and destroy these demons, and then when you do that, get a particular object, which is a hammer, a Bible. I can't remember all the details of it. Once you get them, you can track down a demon. The specific one, do that. What does it matter? This is slow, <laughs> so slow. This was used. This was the Filmation Two engine. Take a note of that. Filmation Two. So the difference between the Filmation One engine and the Filmation Two engine for the techie nerds out there is that one of them is a flip screen and the other one is not. One of them is scrolly screen. Don't make a difference with this. It's bloody awful either way. So <laughs> it's isometric, single color spectrum port. Those words should send a shiver down your spine already. I found it. Juddery, slow, 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 juddery, slow, slow, juddery, juddery, slow. Did I mention the judderiness and the slowness? Because it was very juddery and slow. <laughs> and I just felt that I was wandering around trying to do stuff, not able to do anything, because it just felt like I was under attack all the time by things I couldn't figure out what was happening. I kept changing colour and then dying. It made no sense whatsoever. And the more things that were on the screen, the slower this game became to the point when it was just obvious that this was just a port 
too far. Now, this might have again. worked on a Sinclair Spectrum. Yeah, again, absolutely again. This was $9.95. It's a, not mm-hmm. only is that expensive, but this is ultimate. I don't know what's going on with them. We said this in the last episode. They're just on, they're on, a, on a slippery slope of, of really bad stuff going on here. To the point when I don't think they care anymore. They're just handing over the reins of some of their games off the Spectrum to third-party mm, producers, third-party yeah. designers and developers who have no affinity. It's just a job. Get it done, whatever. The games are slow. They don't play very well. They look great in small screenshots. But because it looks exactly like the Spectrum, there's nothing about this game I liked. Oh, in fact, it was frustrating and annoying and the puzzles made little to no sense. I just found myself wandering around, not really doing anything, apart from slowing down a lot and juddery, juddery screening. It was just, in the end, I thought, do you know what? If I'd have paid nine ninety five for that, I'd have been angry at myself. It was it was terrible. I didn't get it. Didn't like it. Is it your favourite game of all time? <laughs> it's one of them. No, I put that this is a bad. It's almost like I put the what written here sounds like the uh, the worst version of the Tom Cruise film because I put Wonder Shoot Die Repeat, um, <laughs> which is uh, the boring version of uh, <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow, <laughs> Live Die Repeat, whatever it was. I put the visuals are quite detailed, but unfortunately they suffer from terrible slowdown as you get more things on screen. You pick up some stuff, you shoot stuff, and you die. There's colour clash, it's just dull. I don't know what there was to this. To me, it didn't seem neither one thing nor the other. It wasn't, it's not fast or reactive enough to be a shooter, and there's nothing, there's not enough there for, for an adventurer. It's stuck in a, a, a no man's land of, of bewildering badness that I just couldn't get my head around because I didn't know what they were sort of, what the, what target market they were aiming at. It's like, what, what are you trying to do here? Are you shooting stuff? Because it's, it is, from what I read, like a, it's supposed to be a shooter, you know, you're wandering around and shooting stuff, and that's supposed to be stuff, it's not supposed to be, but. The shooting is so absurdly rubbish that that's, you know, when you've got things like Zed to go, I want to shoot stuff. Give me pace. You know, give me it in 2D. Don't give me this pseudo 3D isometric nonsense because on the C64, it just doesn't work. It's not a machine built for it. No. And so what you get is this slow version of a better game that's on another platform. And so, yeah, like you said, for £10, the amount of money, what I would have preferred to do, all these... um ultimate games we've had for the same price what you could have spent all these you could have bought a spectrum um and yeah. got these games on the on the spectrum and just yeah. played the proper versions of them because yeah. they're, they're going to obviously have been way better and they're probably dirt cheap by this point because they've all probably been out a year or yeah. however many you know however long they've been out for but i can't i can't get behind these it's just you know uh, yeah we had firebird they did the what did they do they did uh, underworld and the saber wolf saber wolf ports I think that was an ultimate one in Imhotep. Is it? Oh, God help us all. Yeah, I think that was direct ultimate sort of thing. I think Firebird, but it could, I could be wrong. There's this whole slew of these games just coming through from Ultimate, Firebird, whatever. Yeah, there was, was one in the last episode, I think. I'm pretty sure there was a Firebird. I think it was Underworld. I think it was Underworld. Underworld. It was Underworld, you're right. Yeah, and we didn't like that. And we don't like this. It, it, there's mm-hmm. just a slew of them. And, and they just. I think, as you've alluded to and said before, there's just some problem with Ultimate and the Commodore 64. There is. They're just, they're just not been solved. I don't understand it. I don't understand understand no. how they can be so good on one machine and so terrible on another no i don't um it, it makes well, no sense i think it, it would make sense that they don't just pour everything they do on the spectrum to the commodore no there's there's games that lend themselves to the commodore 64 there's game types and, and isometric games aren't one of them especially in this kind of high-res sort of format i mean it all looks great on a spectrum or on an amstrad or on a bbc or something that has a bit more z80 um but everybody knows the commodore 64 strength doesn't lie there everybody knows that so to release these games is ridiculous. Do we ever get a conversion of Attic Attack? No. I don't believe there is one Commodore 64. I'm not sure if there was. Because obviously we had Wizard's Lair, which was Attic Attack. Yeah. It's showing that, that that game could work pretty well. Yeah, just on a smaller screen. It's, it, it, is, it takes up... I mean, yeah. And the logic is kept simple. 
the logic in this nightshade is, is complex. You know, you've got stuff to collect. You've got stuff to, to, to pick up. You can only use certain weapons on certain enemies. There's loads of enemies dotted about. You've got three stages of colour before you die. And just, it just, it's just in between all that. That sounds in of itself. If that was all condensed into a few screens, great. But this is a big map you've got to walk around. Lots of, it's just doors. You're walking through doors into another room, more doors. Mm-hmm. You go into that room, more doors. Every now and again, something appears, flies towards you. You have no way of stopping it. So it just hits you and then you sort of change color. It's just, what is this? What is it? You know, <laughs> it's what, not some, why? I think, I think, I think it's safe to say it's not something we like. No, you were, you were summarized it perfectly. And what annoyed me a little bit, you know what? They t- they keep charging top whack for all the Ultimate games because they they are playing off the Ultimate brand. There's no doubt about that. And I think mm. it's, um, even with even this one is a Firebird game. And it, it, it's just, it's wrong that they did that at the time. I would have, you know, I, luckily for me, I never had an affinity for any of these isometric games, even later down the line when Ocean started doing them. I never really liked them, but this one's just, it's just rubbish. And I, I can't believe that people would on the 64 would have really gone for it, but I wonder if we'll see it in the chart. Probably, maybe, don't know, we'll have to wait and see. Let's move on anyway, because we've said on. enough about Nightshade. Yes. <laughs> we're moving on to more Ultimate. Oh, good Lord. <sighs> Uh, our last game in this section is Dragon Skull. Dragon Skull, spelt with an E. Dragon Scully. Um, School. So not to be confused with Mulder and Scully. Uh, Dragon <laughs> Skull. So this is the fourth game in the Adventures of Bruce Forsyth, which sees him um, after the fabled Skull of Souls on Dragon Skull Island. Not Bruce Forsyth, sorry, it's House of Pendragon. It's House of Pendragon. It's the next one, Staff of Carnath, Entombed, Black Witch, and now Dragon Skull, the increasingly... <laughs> poorly <laughs> poorly named trilogy of games mm. so this is surprise surprise more of the same although you know you are but you are bothered a little less by enemies in this one which is quite you know quite decent it's not so it's not so replete with just you know annoying single color sprites just warping at you with annoying noises there's a bit of space in this one the problems you know they still haven't figured out their controls, so you still have you can have one item at a time, one of which is a jump. The exciting icons that, that you know that you have, they, they let you dig, jump, wear a cloak, pause the game, and throw a rock. Stupid. That's, uh, that's, a, that's an ex- exciting series of uh, mechanics that they've employed. I don't know why pause the game is uh, a separate thing. There's a keyboard. There's a P button. Let me press <laughs> P. And to pause it, why is, that, why is that a separate section in your mechanical choices? I don't know. It's very obtuse to the point of annoying. The cloak, I, I had to watch a play through this because I, I got to a point where I couldn't couldn't progress because I kept getting killed. But the cloak is right at the start under the sand, but there's no indication in the sand that it's oh. actually there. So there's no way of knowing that you've got to go find the spade and come back to right at the very beginning and dig. I couldn't. I was like, there's there's a bit where you have to shoot a mon- uh, sort of some sort of monster in the de- you know it's like 3D you know that pseudo 3D effect which is okay it works quite well but it's just it's just more of that annoying ultimate stuff that w- that we've not liked in Black Witch or in Tomb very much and it's more of that it's just not particularly very good Zap gave it 49 percent. I'm not going to really disagree. I probably wouldn't have given it that high, but it's not a very good game. It's annoying. It's it's more of that nonsense that I I didn't like in the other two. The, like I said, the only thing that this has is you know they've they've swapped you know this being annoyed by um, enemies with being annoyed with obtuse puzzles that you know there's no real obvious solution to that you can kind of figure out because it's stupid that a cloak would be buried. The opening the opening level. 
the opening part sort of thing to get a thing you just have to walk over a particular starfish yeah it's like yeah, yeah. Th- this what it's like the beginning of uh, Entombed, Entombed, where you just have to jump, jump, have to, you have to jump up a particular part yep. of the wall to open the first door. It, 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 learn from your mistakes, guys. Learn. Have puzzles that have logical solutions, or solutions when you when you do get them. Go. Oh, I should have seen that. Not a starfish. Um, no. Starfish are not keys for doors. No, they're not. Just not. <laughs> Did you like it? No. No, I didn't. I was just glad it was the last of the series, to be honest, because it's just a series yeah. that's gone from. From okay to rubbish to be played. <laughs> I was just, it annoyed me really for the exact same reasons it annoyed you. You know, it's just obtuse gaming. You know, you, you start, you know, here's the mystery. What do you do next? It's like, okay, so I've got to do, run around, find stuff, dig things up with no idea of where they are or what doing. So you just run around digging a lot. The angular controls are just, it's just stupid. Just, just so when you push up, you kind of go up, but not quite to the doorways that are kind of ang- just, it just felt like it was just, you know, they made this because they had to, because it was a, some kind of ending of the quadrilogy for want of a better description, but it doesn't feel like it ended. There's no real, you know, it's it's such a, there's a good character in there with Sir Arthur Pendragon and there's a good adventure. If they tied any of this nonsense together, then there was a good vibe about the whole thing. It's just, if he was an adventurer going through these different quests and there was some kind of resolution to that and it all ultimately led to a big thing. Great, but it's just it's in, incoherent nonsense, really. The games just exist in their own spaces with their own logic. Not much of it makes sense. This one in particular, great that they've reduced the enemy count. Poor that they made the logic impossible to figure out. And in the end, you just find yourself wandering around different caves that kind of look the same, thinking, what what am I doing? What's the point? No, graphics are okay, they are, but they look like the other graphics from the other games, so there's nothing amazing. The, yeah. the, the uh, landing screen that you come on, it looks like it was thought about in the last two seconds of the game publication. Oh, the so, blue title screen. The blue title screen with just Dragon Skull on it and the two skulls. Oh, yeah, it's dreadful, isn't it? Yeah, it's awful. It's just, it just lacks... It's like all these ultimate games lack the same. They all, sorry, they all have the same problem. It's lack of attention and thought and put and polish. It just feels like they make these things because they have to, not because they want to. There's no love in any of them. No passion in any of them. There's no game. There's no fan. You know, you don't feel the love of Sir Arthur Pendragon when you play this game in the same way that, in the same way that when you play a game series like Tomb Raider, there's a genuine love of, of Lara Croft and the characters and the things that happen in it. You don't get that with this game. They could have created an affinity for Sir Arthur Pendragon and some story arc that transcended all four of those games and made it make sense to go through all these adventures because you have to do these certain things and tie it all together, but they didn't do that. To be fair, this guy almost this game could have skipped me completely. I wouldn't have known really that it existed well, other I think, than we do I this. I think we did. I think I completely forgot about this because we kept referring to Bewi- I was Bewitched, uh, Black Witch is the last one, and I think, exactly. you know, I, I thought it was. I, I, yeah. I had no... When I saw Dragon's I was like... I've got, there's another well, one. <laughs> the truth of it is, it may as well have been because previous they all end sort of indiscriminately and in their own way. There's no link between the, any of the four games really, other than Sir Arthur Pendragon. There's no story arc that goes over all four of those games, as far as I'm aware. So they don't really connect, other than it's just the same character doing adventure stuff. But it's the same thing over and over again with less. All of the things that make those games worse, they just pile into the next game. So by the time we got to this fourth game, it's just a complete compilation of the crap that came with the first three. <laughs> All the worst things from the first three games are in this one. So to the point when you think, well, what, you know, that's you start the game with an annoying noise, an annoying noise, and you stand on the beach and you have to find the right starfish to step <laughs> yeah. on. That tells you this game was just thought wasn't really thought about. Like, you know what? Just have the annoying skull sound got rid of by the nearest starfish. When you're at that point of game logic and you're thinking about game events in those terms, <laughs> stop. So for me, as with the ultimate, this is the, you know, this is a slide 
they start. They didn't really start at the top of a slide. This was kind of a slide that you find in a three-year-old's park. So it wasn't really high. <laughs> you know, six steps. You're at the top of the slide. You go down. It's not. It's not a woo. It's kind of a, oh, is that it? No one's scared by this slide. So rubbish. Just it's just a pointless, pointless extension of a franchise that didn't really have a franchise. Does that make sense? It just it's a guy that goes around doing stuff. What can you say? Yeah, he was. I guess you know he was supposed to be the C64 equivalent to Saberman. I guess. I yeah, guess not really though. Not really, no. No, let's move on. You know, we've said enough about Ultimate Games over these weeks. I don't know. I, I have no idea what else they release, so <laughs> sure move be, on. Uh, I'm sure it'll be Ace. Yeah. Let's move on, because that's, uh, that's the games. There's not many games in this right. issue, by the way, so we're, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment with music for March 1986. So stay with us. <laughs> to our sponsor davidhernwriter.com where you'll find books and audiobooks that are as cheap as chips dave's feature book is ruminations of a wayfarer reboot almost 700 pages of sci-fi space opera in the style of wing commander as jar must save earth from the evil aliens you thought the thargoids in elite were bad they got nothing on the tharnians in this book book an ebook available at amazon.com and elsewhere Visit davidhernwriter.com. That's David Hearn, H-E-A-R-N-E, writer.com to find out more. Hello, welcome back to uh, the next section of Zap to the Past. Uh, we're looking at music in March 1986. So what was going on in the pop charts um, in this month? So we'll look first at the number one singles. So we mentioned this a few episodes back. When it when it came into the charts, it has now climbed all the way up to number one, and it is uh, Chain Reaction by Diana Ross. Um, we spoke about this and uh, our love for the Bee Gees and their massive two sets um, and everything <laughs> like that a few a few weeks back. But yes, this stayed. At, this was at number one for three weeks, so that was good to see before it was replaced for the last two weeks of the month by Living Doll by Cliff Richard and the Young Ones. Okay, so that's uh, you know. That's famous, for you. <laughs> famous last episode of the young ones where they fly off a cliff, don't they? Yeah. And look and out, Cliff! Look out, Cliff! Yeah, there's a bit of a Classic. Cliff Richard thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and they and it's it's Rick and Vivian and everyone singing anarchically, living doll, isn't it? So it is. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we got we got this, and then we got was this before or after holding my shoe by Neil? Yeah, uh, before. Before was it? Okay. Um, yeah. So there you go. So Diana Ross was kicked off the top by Cliff Richard and the Young Ones, which is interesting. But yeah, because they go through the uh, Cliff Richard billboard, don't they? Yeah, hence the Correct, look yeah. out, Cliff. Look out, yeah. Cliff. Look out, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there you go. We've spoken about these before. It's just did we see these appear and then they climb and then they get to number one and you know you there you go. That's 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 what happens. We've also spoken about the number one album many times before. <laughs> Will they ever go away? How is that back? It's not back. It's it was it was number one for all of February. Remember? Oh, of course. And it, it just continues just... for another three weeks. Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Oh, for goodness it, sake. You know. It's like that annoying relative who won't leave over Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you, you're like it's it's December twenty eighth. You know, do you not have a home to go to? Oh, just stay for another 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 pint and another cake. Yeah, just stay for go another up. for a wee while. <laughs> I don't um, have any Irish um, relatives. I don't know why I went Irish there, but it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible Irish at that. It's bizarre, really. That we a wee cake. <laughs> it's more, uh, it's I don't know what it was. I don't get it though. Do you? I mean, I know it's a, it's a, we've said it. I'm not going to say anything more than this. It's an okay album, 
It's the CD thing. It's the yeah, CD thing. Yeah, I think thing. you're right. I think it must be because it, it was. I remember it being on. I remember seeing the CD in people's houses who I knew who wouldn't ever have bought Dire Straits albums, but it was probably one of the only nine albums that was on CD at the time. And they it just was. bought a 250 quid CD player. I think even when I bought my first CD player, even I contemplated buying that album. I, did, <laughs> I didn't know, just for the record. I'm surprised it didn't come with it. It went pre-installed like a U2 <laughs> on, Apple for, on Apple devices. You can buy this CD player. How much is it? Well, it's £250. It comes installed. That You can't remove the disc. As soon as you turn your oh. CD player on from Panasonic, it went, money for nothing. <laughs> and when it turned it off, it goes, chicks for free. So, and that's, to be fair, it did do that. Well, mine didn't. I had a Sony, of course. You did have a Sony. Yeah, no. I remember that. I remember that. Uh, no yeah. disc. That cost me a month's wages, that did. Stupid oh, purchase. Yeah, but you didn't earn a lot, did you? No, exactly. That's why it cost me a month's wages. It was a stupid thing to buy. <laughs> it was, but hey-ho, you liked it. <laughs> why, why not? Yeah, but that was then replaced after three weeks. We had all changed. Chain Reaction left. Brothers and Arms left by Hits 4. There it is. <laughs> so we move into... That was at the... Number one for the rest of the month, Hits 4, by various artists, obviously. Uh, have you put these notes in? I have. Hits 4. Features four songs which reach number one. Huh? That's not bad, really, going, is it, really? Sun Boy Shines on TV. That was only January. I'm Your Man. Wham. Chain Reaction. I mean, that's only just... That's quite yes. crazy. And West End Girls. I mean, they're, yep. they're just... They were, they were number one this... Either, you know, very... Very recently. That's yeah. not bad going, is it? If you which, buy ex- four. which explains why it's uh, been in the uh, charts and got to number one in the album's chart. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> why buy those which, singles uh, when you can buy that, right? Which would might explain sort of thing why Chain Reaction dropped off number one when you could just buy a Hits 4 and get Chain Reaction on mm. it mm. in that week. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, probably does explain a lot, really. Not, not, that I, not that I'm bothered. I mean, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> music charts. I, I didn't it's have not... hits for for some reason. I was trying to think which hits album I had, and it was. I thought I had hits for, but it wasn't. I think I, I, think had, I had hits, hits five. Two. I had hits two, I think. I think I had five. We'll see what's on hits five, and if it's when that comes along, I'm sure it'll get to number one. They all do. It will. <laughs> it will do. It's guaranteed. Yeah. Any any singles of note? Uh, let's have a look. Second of March, Kiss by Prince came in at number twenty-seven. That's a good Prince track. That is. I'll take your word. I've never been a massive Prince fan. Oh. Never. I am but a some, huge Some tracks Prince I don't fan. mind. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Absolutely I massive. Did, I, I've learned something new about you that I'm not, not sure how to handle. The Parade album that that particular single is from and the other singles from that album are brilliant. It's a, it's a great album. It's Prince in the New Power Generation. It's, so it's at that cusp, cuspy point when it was post-Prince doing his yeah, yeah. Purple Rain stuff and it's got a bit more funky and a bit more stuff and... Of course, but it actually became more famous, I think, because of Tom Jones's cover with the, I was going to say, that's, noise, the, uh, th- th- that's when I hear Kiss, it's the Tom Jones version that I hear in my head. Yeah, the Welsh version. Yeah, absolutely. Which, uh, I, because that was just everywhere for a while, wasn't it? It was really, yeah, that was pushed absolutely. Really, when he, he did that, did that series of um, uh, collaborations with loads of sort of uh, bands in the 90s, didn't he, Tom Jones? And he was all over TFI Friday or whatever it was. Yeah, apparently he sang the version of Kiss on TV. And the Art of Noise saw him sing a version of that cover version, not Art of Noise version, obviously, a cover version, and were so impressed by it that they approached him to release a, a version in the chart, which, of course, they did. Oh, there you go. Well, you learn something new every day. There we go. So that's Prince. Prince in at number 27 with Kiss, same day. Candyman by Susie and the Banshees at number 40. Hmm, not a Banshees fan. No, I'm not a huge one. Though, you know, I do like my goth stuff sort of thing, and they have some decent stuff that I do quite like. Not not really aware of Candyman. That's not one of no. my go-tos. Where, where do you go-tos. stand, though, on the punk 
goth crossover because Susie and the Banshees are a punk band, not a goth band. They are, but yeah, but they are a punk band. I, w- I would argue that they've got some gothy tracks, you know, stuff like Spellbound. Yeah, but they're a punk band. They were they were a punk band and originally. They were a punk band, and Susie Sue was a massive punk, a, a, a huge, like a proper hanging around with the Sex Pistols kind of punk. But like most things, sort of thing that came through from punk. I mean, goth came out of that probably in some kind of way. I, think. I just wonder where you were, where you stood on the whole kind of punk versus goth kind of whether it's part of the same genre or no. I don't think it's the same genre. I'm not a big punk fan, which is probably if you consider Susie and the Banshees more of a punk band, it's probably why I'm not a huge fan of theirs. I found them a bit punky. I avoided almost all of Susie and the Banshees' output. I'm trying to think of the, the way they had one big hit that probably did chart higher than that. Spellbound. I don't know if it wasn't Spellbound. That's there, not there the was, one I remember. Oh, it, no, but... there was a, no, there was another one. Oh, it'll come to me. We'll, uh, midway through this episode somewhere, I'll just yell it out. Yeah, do that. Do that. But there was, uh, there, there, there was, yeah, there was, there was another Susie, one, yeah. You know, Susie Sue with her eye makeup and the kind of gothy yeah, contingent she look was. on it. And it was it was good. Yeah, I, they were fine. I didn't mind. You know, I didn't mind them. I didn't hate them. I just they weren't my go-to goth bands. No, because they weren't goth, as you say. In at number ninety was the Trumpton Riots by Half Man Half Biscuit. Don't know a lot about them. I don't. I only thing I know is that they played Gullivers. I'm pretty sure they played Gullivers um, what, in, what, at some in point in Grimsby. Yeah, one night sort of thing. There's uh, no claim to fame. We we've played Gullivers. <laughs> that is true. We did, but <laughs> it's just weird to see some of the charts play Gullivers. I'm pretty sure they did. I know that our friend uh, who might be listening to the podcast. I don't know if he does, but he he was a friend at the time. Uh, Stephen, Mr. Adcock. He was a big fan of uh, Half Man Half Biscuit. He would be able to their explain their incoherent lyrics. Because I listened to uh, the Trumpton Riots by Half Man Half Biscuit on YouTube, I couldn't make heads or tails of what it what it was. It was just shouty angriness. Yeah, um, so it's a and riot it in Trumpton, I guess. Sounded like it was recorded by a human biscuit half crossbreed. <laughs> but uh, I am not. I'm not. I'm not the kind. Maybe I'm not the audience for that. I'm not that demographic. If they were, if you were to class which kind of biscuit they would be, would they be? What Ooh, kind of biscuit would they be? That is a very good question. Not a modern biscuit, so we're going back to the sort of stand. Is it well? Are they classics or are they just the, <laughs> is it, is it the something early from your pioneers? Peak Trotsky assortment? No, yeah. <laughs> there's no. They're not a combination biscuit, so they're not a sandwich biscuit. I think in, they're just kind of. So they're not. Probably, they're not custard cream. No, but I think they're a plain old digestive. You know, I think that's what they are. You know, they're just a combination of different ingredients. And it forms a biscuit that we kind of like because it's sugary and oaty, but I don't know. So what weird question? I don't know. I'd have gone for a ginger nut, <laughs> personally. You mean, yes, possibly. Yes, I could see that. I, I really like ginger biscuits, though. Kind I don't of, like yeah, that. I, I do as well, but kind of kind of hard, crunchy, and a bit a bit spiky. You know, a bit, yeah, they've got a, a, bit niche, of edge, a bit of edge bit, to them. A bit niche, you know. They're a bit, yeah, maybe, yeah. A, maybe a Garibaldi, but niche. <laughs> niche. <laughs> but, yeah. You know. yeah. I don't bit, know why we've bit got that. Fruity, a bit fruity, a bit of a mishmash, a bit flat, are they, biscuit? You know, they're kind of weird. It's a bit like a crushed biscuit, really. It, what are we talking about? It's half my half biscuit. I don't know. And the song we don't know, punky. anyway. It does, so uh, ginger nuts. Ninth of March, Absolute Beginners by David Bowie. It's not a great Bowie track, that. It's not, but it's infinitely better than the film. You know, I don't think I've ever seen the film. Don't. And thankfully, I never will now. Yeah, don't. It's not worth it. It's not. It's, not, it's an hour and a half, two hours of your time that you want back. Um, and you're not going to get it back. Um, sorry, I remember yeah. the song. Yeah, it's a bit. Out, I always thought it was a bit out of tune in it. Well, that's kind of the Bowie way. It is, yeah, I guess. Don't want to know if you are lonely in at number 96 by Husker Du. Husker don't for me because I don't remember much about them. I don't really know. What were, what were they? Husker Du, they were a sort of uh, American proto sort of came along, I think. My understanding of Husker Du, um, I think, are they, are they Bob Mould from Sugar? 
But the reason I know don't want to know if you are lonely is because it was covered by one of my favourite bands from around that time, which was Mega City Four. So they covered uh... they covered it. But they were I think around I could be wrong because I'm not a massive Husker Du fan. I just recognise this. Oh, that's interesting. That came out and, and charted. But they were around the same time as I think REM were beginning or were sort of not coming through, but early early REM before REM you know, broke massive in that same kind of American college band sound um and yeah so i think i think husker do a bob mold but i could be wrong no nope. i'll have a look later and sort of correct myself but literally nothing to me i don't know do you not remember sugar sugar no i don't I, the, only, the, sugar. Only, the only frame of reference i've got for husker do is wayne's world and i'm not even sure why yeah. so well your friend at well our friend sort of thing uh will was very much into husker do i think yeah, he was very that, much a, it rings think, about, around that period of time um and you know i love will to bits but i didn't understand a lot of his music choices <laughs> no not did i but it's interesting to see them you know they were an unusual band to see in the charts at this point in time strange um, name i didn't well, think they were husker. Back. yeah husker do 16th of march straight in at number four was living doll by cliff richard and the young ones naturally which obviously would then go to number one the following week and more interestingly though at number 22 was touch me i want your body <laughs> by uh everyone's favorite page three pin up samantha fox oh dear and as you've rightly put in here did you watch the video to notice this or did you just remember this from watch, memory i watched no i watched the video i <laughs> so, remembered some... that it had it but then i went to watch the video <laughs> that she wears so much denim in the video big hair massive amounts of denim oh it's a massive hair oh huge it's, it's such such back comage there's uh massive yeah there's there's more more lacquer on that that you know than in a hair metal band yes so there you go samantha fox with their pop career in at uh, number 26 was Pete, Peter Gunn fe- featuring Dwayne Eddy by The Art of Noise featuring Dwayne Eddy. Weird. Yeah, I, I don't remember it. I don't, well, oh. Peter Gunn, I know the Peter Gunn theme, but The Art of Noise doing it, I don't remember them. Yes, if you notice Trevor Horn, yeah. There you go. Art of Noise was Trevor Horn and co. And basically, it's a Akai 9, I'm pretty sure an Akai 9000 sampler. So they just sampled stuff and then, then at that time just made it into records and that became a very popular thing to do. And they yeah. made an entire album out of it. <laughs> so fair play to them. Yeah, if you can, you can. If you've got the <laughs> money to buy that equipment. Number 58, Rock Me Amadeus by Falco. Falco. Classic. Falco? Falcao? I always said Falcao. Don't know why. Falcao. <laughs> I don't know why. Rock Me, Rock Me Amadeus. Yeah, that is a Euro, Euro pop, wasn't it? That was your yes. early Euro pop. Very early Euro pop, yeah. Amadeus, Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. <laughs> or Dr. Zayas, if you're into your Simpsons. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, Doctor Zay. That's it, no, that's Future Hour, isn't it? Is it? No, no, Doctor. It was uh, Simpsons. Doctor Zayas, because he went to see the musical of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, he does. Yes, yes. Sorry, yeah, I'm thinking of Zayas for some Dr. reason. Doctor Zayas. <laughs> You've really made a monkey out of me. <laughs> I hate every ape from chimpanzee to chimpanzee. <laughs> chimpanzee. You really made a monkey. Yes, we. Yeah, and all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a brilliant <laughs> Troy McClaw. I said yeah. he sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> the next 30, 30 minutes of this podcast was uh, will be deleted because it's just going to be me and Graham now doing <laughs> Simpsons quotes at each other. Yes. No one wants to listen to. We don't Anyways, really do move on. Rock Me Amadeus. These Dreams in at number 96 by Hart. Hart, great vocalist, the lead singer of Hart. Actually, two things about Hart, quickly. Lead singer is genuinely amazing. Really good. Can yes, hit, I think a high F or something crazy, but really good singer. Lead guitarist is a genuinely ace guitarist. Yeah, really good. But, these dreams is a good song. I like these dreams. Yeah, yeah. No heart, great band. Just they're never quite connected with people apart from Alone. That's the one song that everyone seems to remember Heart for. But they had such good hits around that. 
But Alone's going to be the very, one they're very different. I always like their their earlier sort of more rocky stuff like uh, Barracuda. Mm. Um, which yes. I think is a really, really good song, um, yes. and things like that. Which it was kind of unusual stuff, and then they went. They sort of just had this change of image, didn't they? And they just went. They just bought into the whole big hair, yeah, mid eighties hair band, mid-80s, hair metal for the hair, women, hair metal band. And to be fair, yeah. Alone in These Dreams, Alone is a has become a you know a bona fide classic, really, hasn't it? It is. I do like to do Alone at karaoke. I was just going to say, but how do you hit that immense? You know note? me. You know I can hit high notes. <laughs> there's, yeah, but there's high notes, and he's hitting that one, and I, I, I give um, it a good go. Just as a little hints and tips, if you get a moment, go and check out the heart version of Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. Stairway to Heaven. Go and check out the live version of Stairway to Heaven sung by uh, Hart. Essentially, it's the female singer and the guitarist from them doing a Mm -hmm. tribute to Zeppelin. It is astounding. It is truly like, and it's the, and there's the, periodically, as they always are with these things, these live shows, because the, Members of Led Zeppelin were all in a box watching this on stage. So not in a box, literally in a in a in a box in terms of a theatre. So we're just putting a cardboard box. Um, <laughs> <laughs> put the lid back down, Dave. You're too late. Shh, shh, Dave. But they, so they're watching from the plant box in. seats, watching the, plant, watching the box from the box seats, and you can see that it actually takes um, their breath away. The band's breath away. They are floored by I'll how have, good have, their I'll rendition is. It's so, uh, is it Nancy Wilson? Yes, Anna, yes Nance, yeah. Anna Nancy Wilson, wasn't yes, it? I believe yeah. the, the lead she, she really, and the It's sisters. not about the high notes in that song. She just she sings it in a way that is truly brilliant. And yeah, and I believe it's, you. you know because I mean, Stairway to Heaven's a great song, but their version of it is master is masterful. So do check that out on YouTube. It, you can't miss it. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's millions of views. It's amazing. All right, I'll have a look. Twenty third of March. Kind of Magic, A Kind of Magic by Queen goes in at so, number 16. So we're so heading now we're definitely in into... <laughs> yeah. Now we're in Highlander territory. We are indeed. Oh, that's a good album <laughs> uh, though as well, that's off. Yeah, didn't, they all just wrote loads of individual songs for it, didn't they? It's, uh, yeah, my so under, that's my why own. you get... Because Brian May sings on Who Wants to Live Forever and Queen... Yeah, it's all... It's a good album. It is a good album. It's a good sound so, for that one. It the, is. I remember the game being rubbish. Yeah, we're going to come to the Highlander so game. At we some will point, come to that we? sort of thing. So as a, as a sneak preview, I remember Big it being rubbish. Sprite, which is not what you want. <laughs> nobody <laughs> nobody like wants a, that on a t-shirt. That sounds like a rubbish <laughs> fantasy porn. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much sums up Highlander the game, to be fair. That's true. Number 30 on the 23rd of March, Shock by New Order. Uh, I don't remember this one. No, I don't. I don't but... Because I'm, I'm sorry, but New Order have certain songs that they peaked with and every other song that they released is as good as they may be will never be as good as True Faith or Blue Monday or anything that they're really famous for so yeah or celebrate yeah, celebration whatever yeah uh, 30th Mar Different Corner by George Michael straight in at number 4 interesting not heard it <laughs> no I've, I no, no I, I don't know The Different Corner it's, it's, of... it's, it's a song about yogurts <laughs> <laughs> About mother corner yogurts. He keeps bending the wrong corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. he's, 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 He keeps losing all his chocolate bits. <laughs> exactly. Where so are my chocolate balls? <laughs> George, would you just bend the right corner? It's, no. it's, it's left bottom corner to right top corner. Just don't fold the top corners. It's not going to work. Oh, George. How many times have you been through it? Come wah, on. Wah. <laughs> don't write a song about it. Just eat the yogurt. How many yogurts are we? We're wasting a lot of yogurt products here. Jesus, <laughs> we're, we're we're putting the uh, the son, the owner of Muller's kid through his college. <laughs> yeah, yogurt college. <laughs> Ew, sounds horrible. <laughs> sounds worse than clown college. <laughs> the college of yogurt. 
<laughs> anyway, Train of Thought by Aha uh, was number 23. Never heard it. It's okay. It's uh, just a bit poppy. It's okay. It's just an album track, really. It's not as good as, you know, Take On Me or Sun Away Shines. Okay. A classic, I think it's a classic, number 30, uh, 30th of March. In at number 66, Van Halen's Why, Why Can't This Be Love. Yes. Very, very uh, good. Great, oh, 51 50, great so. song. Yeah, which we'll speak about in a moment sort of thing. So that's very good. Uh, that's it for your singles. Albums. <laughs> Hits for Lovers. Oh, I wonder what's on that. 2nd of March in at number seven. I don't know. It's just, it's a disturbing title. It is. <laughs> you, know that it's, you know that it's going to have um, Let's Stay Together by um, What's it's His Name. It's going to have What's-His-Face on it. It was at number one forever. George Benson. Have, of course George Benson's on there with George Benson will be on tracks. there. Barry White will be on there. Yes. It's a hit for lovers. Probably it is. Billy Ocean. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know what this one was, but I had to put it in. <laughs> at number 50, there's an album called Big Cock by King Kurt. <laughs> Probably a classic. <laughs> I've no idea, but I put it in because I, I thought it was funny. I see that album cover, that's for sure. <laughs> I think it's just a picture of a chicken. <laughs> I imagine it probably is. It probably is, yeah. Uh, 9th of March, at number 12, is The Balance of Power by the by ELO, Electric mm-hmm. Light Orchestra. Not a huge fan of ELO. Certain songs, uh, the songs that everyone likes. Yeah, fan of their earlier stuff. My brother was a huge fan of ELO, so I, I listened mm-hmm. to, through him, I listened to a lot of their earlier albums. I don't know this one. Maybe I do, but, but I do, it's not one that rings a bell with me. Really, if you listen to the... Um, War of the Worlds album. That's kind of ELO, really, in the background, because it's what's his name in it? It's the main guy, ELO. So it's Possibly. kind of ELO y. So, and, <laughs> and I like, um, you know, Mr. Blue Sky and all the other, you know, there's some classics out there, and they actually have a very sampled band. Later down Wild the line, in the 90s and the 2000s and the noughties, a lot of Electric Light Orchestra gets sampled into rap and into some mainstream sort of songs, including, of course, famously, um, the refrain from, I think it might be from Mr. Blue Sky, I'm not sure, but one of the songs famously from ELO is in uh, Beep by the Pussycat Dolls. So there you go. I'll take Famous. your word for it. You're, you're yeah, just yeah. saying words at me in well, things now. Well, Beep by the Pussycat Dolls, there's a string ca- cascade. Da, 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 da. And that's straight from ELO. Okay, well, there you go. Straight from the horse's mouth. At number 24 was the Hymns album by the Huddersfield Choral Society. Oh, dear. How do, how do these albums get in at number 24? Because people buy them. Well, yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> That's next, the logic. <laughs> next, next week on The Sky is Blue. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know I got to number 24. I guess it's just... I was looking for a deeper answer. <laughs> I don't know. I suppose maybe it depends it a what hymns are on question. it. Maybe there's a lot of people in Huddersfield. Maybe it was a it's a low chart day. I, I don't know. That's quite high for that kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Cuts like a knife was in number thirty by Brian Adams. But it does as well. You know what that's going to be like. You just know. Plays like a ham. It's going to be the, that. It's going to be that speed rock. Yeah. It's going to be lots of that. Yeah. Number thirty-two was a different light by the Bangles. We've discussed the Bangles a bit with them last week or a couple of weeks back. Master of Puppets by Metallica is in at number forty-one. The classic. It is the classic, isn't it? Yes. Possibly. And controversial to say, one of their best albums by Miles. I don't think that's controversial. I think it's considered one of the. I think it is considered their best, well, isn't it? There's, there's camps for Metallica, isn't there? There's Metallica Black Album Camp. There's Master of Puppets Camp. You know, there's even a Saint Anchor Camp. No, there isn't. <laughs> it's empty, and the tents have blown away. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the only album that they made into a cheese. To be fair, Saint Anchor. <laughs> so 
No, it's got that going for it, which is nice. Uh, I'd love to see that. Three three fields. That's the Master of Puppets quite full, <laughs> the uh, the Black Album feel quite full, and the Saint Anger feel. I can't tell you how much I want to hear Metallica sing Saint Anger. I want to hear them sing Saint Anger, <laughs> like the cheese. Just a video full of that cream cheese. Lovely cream cheesiness. Um, blue cheese, isn't it? Don't even get me started on that. What's important <laughs> is that Master of Puppets was out. And the thing is, I remember Master of Puppets because I remember being in... There's two pubs that we used to frequent in, in Grimsby back in the day. The Barge Inn, which is a great pub, by the way. Do go there if you're ever in Grimsby. And it's now the Old Lloyds. It, but then there wasn't two Lloyds pubs in Grimsby. It still was just Lloyds. But it's now actually called the Old Lloyds. And whenever people used to go in there, I had a jukebox. People used to go in there, put Master of Puppets on. I think the main track is like, what, 12 minutes long? It's endless. And just them shouting, Master master a lot which is great if you like that kind of thing but i just remember that <laughs> as a prevailing thing that and i was putting rush on there a lot for endless amounts of time and so yep there was a certain period of the uh, i want to say early mid mid 80s to early 90s where people were listening to a lot of the tracks that went on for a long time because of us <laughs> <laughs> they did yeah we put didn't we put sisters of mercy this corrosion on a repeat <laughs> <laughs> yeah about 12 times and it's about is it it's 10 a, minutes long it's 10 minutes long <laughs> and then we left the pub <laughs> we did we put it on listen to it the first time go ah no time <laughs> left came back about an hour later it's still playing still going. okay this is elegant. this is a long mix goodness me that, that, that sisters of mercy uh, they could go on a bit they so, could yes. they did they did master of poupe was uh, by Metallica. Ma- Master of Puppies. <laughs> Master of Poupé. It's the French version. <laughs> the Monsieur de Poupé. Poupé. 23rd of March, Hits 4, went straight in at number one. Of course it did. In at number four was Black Celebration by Depeche Mode. Good old Depeche uh, Mode. I don't remember yeah, a lot of tracks off that album, actually. I don't. I, if you probably put it in front of me and said it's this, I'd be like, oh, is that them? Because I, the, the, the tracks in that period all kind of get amalgamated onto yeah. uh, 101. Yeah, and so I know a lot. I know a lot of what I want, and I know a lot of the tracks. But it's a case of I can't. I couldn't place album. Right, what album is that off? I don't know. But I would know it if you went. Oh, it's off that way. Okay, yeah, great. Another track. Thirtieth yeah. March was pleased by the Pet Shop Boys. Unit number three. Mm, huge UK hit. I don't quite get why, but it was. No, you were never a big fan, were you? You no. said earlier pre- previously. Dirty Work by the Rolling Stones in at number four. <sighs> That's Couldn't a, tell you one track off it. <laughs> no, that's their fans turning up in it. That, that's yeah. the last last fans. So that's a you know yeah. the day one release. All the fans go out by the new Rolling Stones album. It'll have plummeted yeah. next week yeah. or the week after probably. In at number eighteen was fifty one fifty by Van Halen. Um, that's such a good which album. You, which you've noted here, but it's the first studio album with Sammy Hagar. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Or Hagar. Uh, I, is, is he a Viking? He is now. Hagar, Hagar the Horrible. Yes, he, well, he was nice. Uh, as, as Lee he was nice. Was he? Yeah, he's a nice guy, yeah. Lovely. I hope so. He came he around went, and brought he, me some he, chips. He, <laughs> <laughs> How nice of him. He, he wore, always, I've seen the video for um, some live footage of uh, uh, Why Can't This Be Love. His pants are oh so tight. Yes. They're all, I'm pretty sure they're not, uh, they're not, I'm pretty sure they're just painted on. No man could wear balloon pants like him. <laughs> They're just, they're literally, it's just his skinny legs. It's like, there's yes. no, you might as well not bothered. But it likes his off. enormous hair. <laughs> so it's crazy the amount of hair that guy had. Um, great, they great, all, yeah, great singer though. Um, but you've got to like that kind of singing. And it, it really divided the Van Halen fans into two complete camps. In fact, so much so that later down the line, their best of album is actually called The Best of Both Worlds. And it has two CDs. One, David Lee Roth, and the other, Sammy Hagar. So it split their fan base in two. And which camp do you fall in? Are you a David Lee Roth? Are you a Sammy Hagar? I'm not a massive Van Halen fan. I like a couple of tracks, I have to say. There's not not many sort of thing. And I'm not a huge David Lee Roth fan. So the tracks I do like are Hagar ones. Interesting. 
there's this one why can't this be love and can't can't stop can't stop loving you yeah there's yeah there's quite a few isn't there? there's which um, i i absolutely adore can't stop loving you there's something about that song which um mm-hmm. and it was mid-90s as song. well it's a great, but it's mid nineties. It's so out of place. But when it yeah. was released, it's weird. Well, that's Van, but Halen, it's that's Van Halen, though. That's the kind of their thing. That's their shtick. They they kind of exist out of time. I mean, they were kind of doing hair metal-y stuff, but not quite hair metal. But it is, and you know, they they exist in Van Halen space. And yeah, they this did. Is, this is a great album, and Fifty One Fifty is a great showcase for Sammy Hagar. Best of both worlds, dreams, both amazing tracks. Later down the line, of course, it was right here, right now, and and it's just it's is I think the version of Van Halen that he plays in is really great, but the version of Eddie Van Halen that's in those early albums with David Lee Roth is a better version of Eddie Van Halen. I can't explain why that is, but that's just the case. It is. <laughs> is it the fact that you like the best of both worlds? No, I, yeah, I, I do. I mean. The thing is that Van Halen are a band about Van Halen. That's about Eddie and Eddie's guitar playing. You know, rest in rest in peace, Eddie. Is that guitar playing is astonishing. Is an amazing guitar player, whichever oh, way you look yeah, at yeah. it. And whether you like tapping and all the technique and all the rest, it doesn't matter. That the first few albums that he did with David Lee Roth are different to the Sammy Hagar albums. They're a different tone. He plays differently. The aspects of what he does are different. But the rhythm sections in certain songs he plays, just compared to the sort of lead... In Eruption and the early albums, it's all about Eddie and soloing and that kind of front end. And what's lost amongst all of that is the fact that Eddie Van Halen's one of the greatest rhythm guitarists of all time. His rhythm stuff that he plays is amazing. It really is mind-blowing. And just listen to um, Panama and stuff like that to really hear how he plays that stuff. It's just Mm -hmm. mind-blowing. Then when you come to the Sammy Hagar stuff, Sammy Hagar's vocals are probably stronger than David Lee Ross. David Lee Ross is kind of quirky, kind of kooky character. Bit, bit more of a, you know, a good front man, but not a great vocalist necessarily. I'm sure that that's the first thing he would say on his CV. Sammy <laughs> Hagar is a much better vocalist, more powerful than everything else. And I think it toned Eddie down a little bit. So songs like Dreams and Best of Both Worlds don't have these crazy solos that the earlier albums have. So you do get the best of both worlds from them. I say I'm a huge, I mean, a big Van Halen fan and have been for many, many a year, not just because he's an ace guitarist, but because they're great songs. But don't fall into the trap of liking Van Halen by the jumps and by those kind of tracks. There are better Van Halen tracks out there. And Why Can't This Be Love is a genuinely, amazingly brilliant song. And mm. it happens to be, you know, it's it's one of their best songs by Miles. Dreams is really good as well. Best of Both Worlds, a bit more quirky. On the David Lee Roth camp, well, you've got Jump, if you like that kind of thing. But Panama, uh, Hot for Teacher, and just, oh, don't. Amazing. They're an amazing <laughs> band. They are. They are. There you go. Lovely. Next week on uh, Van Halen Weekly. <laughs> Van Halen's Appreciation <laughs> Society. <laughs> we, we discuss who had the best shorts. Well, it's interesting uh, that the consistent factor in Van Halen is, is Eddie, isn't it, really? So make your own mind up. Listen to one half, listen to the other, go for it, see what you think. All right, I will do. Are they so? Were they different, like bassists and drummers and stuff? No, the drummer was was his brother. I don't know if the the lineup. I don't think changed that Apart much. From it, the was it was mainly that it was only the singer. I think up to a point, and then and recently, I'm not sure because obviously now Eddie's dead. So I, I guess because I watched the videos, and I mean, this is '86, and Can't Stop Loving You is a lot later, and it looks like the same. Same bassist. I think so. it's the, yeah, I think it was, I think the, I can't remember the name of the bassist. I know that the, was the bassist the other Van Halen or the drummer? I think it was a drummer. Google it. But that also, do. by the way, if I, not, not that I want to recommend overly recommend anything, but the, <laughs> the EVH amps for guitars are amazing. So do go and check those out as well. Okay. So uh, we'd like to thank our sponsor on uh, this episode, which is <laughs> EVH amps and Van Halen. <laughs> Good <laughs> thank old you Van for Halen. Your, thank you for your support and continued patronage of Zaps of the Past. <laughs> there we go. That's a, that's 
that's the music for March 1986. The wonders such as Chain Reaction, Living Doll at number one, and Brothers in Arms going forever. Prince releasing stuff and loads of singles. There's far too many to talk about. And of course, Van Halen. There you go. That's your music. So stay with us. We'll be back in a moment where we will be discussing the last batch of games for this episode. Shout out to our sponsor, davidhernwriter.com, where you'll find bargain books and audiobooks. Dave's feature book this podcast is Ruminations of a Wayfarer, Reboot. Just when you think you have a handle on which way the plot will proceed, be prepared for a sharp warp speed turn in the opposite direction. Ebook available at Amazon.com for your Kindle for a steal. Visit davidhernwriter.com to find out more. Dave's podcast pick is Mercenary, Escape from Targ. He still plays MDD clone to spend time with Benson, find that Nova Drive, and upset the Paliar Commander's brother-in-law. Welcome back. That was your music. Here we go with the last set of games uh, for this episode. We've got four more coming up. And the first of those is uh, another Andrew Braybrook joint. We are talking Euridium. Graham, talk Euridium at us. Euridium. Wow. Famous, isn't it? Euridium. Big shooter. It's very famous. Super Mm -hmm. shooter. So you fly over the surface of spaceships. The idea is to shoot down the towers that are on the spaceships and the spaceships are you who are being attacked by it's just, it's a kind of a sci-fi side scrolling shooter shoot them up very fast very epically paced you shoot all the spaceships and shoot all the things landing on the deck you land you then scroll it sort of shoots backwards in the hulk uh whatever the spaceships are called super um, dreadnoughts super dreadnoughts blow up behind you and then the next dreadnought is upon you different layout there's the walls to avoid and you've got to fly sort of around navigate the object shoot the things that's kind of the game um and it's super fast paced you've got to destroy the entire fleet so you've got a lot to do um i don't know how long it goes on for and how many super dreadnoughts there six, are six the 16 all right so i got i think to about eight when i was playing it and i was just pl- playing it you know, i was doing all right it took me ages and ages and ages and ages to get there um, uh-huh. because the game is hard. Uh, graphically, mm-hmm. it's really good. Um, it's kind of base reliefy style graphics. Um, it's, it's all, yeah. you know, There's nothing really not to like about it. This is slick game design and game operation 101. It's very arcadey, very arcade influenced. Um, it's, it's nice animation on the main sprites, especially the main spaceship. So the way you fly about is really good. The controls are super fast. So you've got you feel like you've got good control over the spaceship, and it's got kind of a nice turnaround animation when you get to the end and you flip your spaceship and turn around. So there's there's nice aspects to it. Um, the main issue uh, should there be an issue with it? The main issue is this: obviously the sound is good, graphics good, the game design good, very slick. Um, it's hard. It's just really hard. Um, so it's got arcade difficulty attached to this in in, in buckets. So it's very well crafted, but you've and and everything else. But you know you've got to really play this a lot to get good at it to remember where the things are on the dreadnoughts because they do have a kind of mm-hmm. layout um and so that was my main issue with it i really enjoyed playing it again um my it's actually two main issues firstly this difficulty is like quite epic secondly um i would just question how long you could stick at it before you got kind of fed up with it because you know you've got a limited number of lives it's very unforgiving so you, you know you're going to have to play this game a lot to get to the distances involved, and to get to 16, you're going to be at it well. But you know what? It's a challenge. At the end of the day, it's a bit repetitive. It has to be said. Um, so once you get past the kind of 
shooting things and shooting the things off the deck and understanding the landscape and the lay of the land. There's not a lot more to it than that. But that's kind of keeping it simple, I think. There's a logic to that. It doesn't overlay itself with too much complexity. And I liked it. Um, it isn't my favourite Braybrook game by Miles. It's competent enough shoot 'em up. And in that quest of, for shoot 'em ups that we were asking for, you know, we were saying we want more shoot 'em ups. Mm-hmm. Here's one right off the bat. Um, it's just quite hard, and that might be a <coughs> might be the barrier. Maybe that's the barrier. What about for you? Well, just to sort of touch on a couple of things. I mean, obviously, this is follow up to Paradroid. That was always going to be a tough sell, but he so he, he up had to an... Paradroid. Is it? I didn't realize it was a follow up. Well, well, it's Super Dreadnoughts, Dreadnoughts, as in it's his next game. Oh. I don't mean I don't mean it's literally. It's not a know, sequel. The, the... It's just like a next game in the list. Yeah, yeah. The, his his next game along was he's, he's following up Paradroid. He's made Paradroid. He's going to go. He's making his next game. There's an interview with uh, Gary Lydon in Zap. Uh, where Braybrook said that he wanted to make something that would look like it, you know, look like it should be in an arcade, um, and that was his whole raison d'être for for Iridium. He wanted it to be an arcade experience, and I think to that end, he's kind of nailed it. You know, this wouldn't look out of place in an arcade. We've said this quite a few with a few games, but this really very does feel arcade-y. like if, if, very if I saw this in an arcade, you know, maybe you know with a bit a bit more behind the sound effects, you a get bit more. Bed. No, absolutely not. I'd just be sticking 10 peas in it, which is uh, not not something I normally do with when I've got something in bed. That would just be weird. <laughs> and I've been told off for that before. Yeah. Where am I going? Where am I going? <laughs> Vibrating <laughs> beds, more... I think. <laughs> that was it, yes. Uh, yeah. Yes, bed. <laughs> That's what I was, yeah. Much more action-oriented, uh, and it's sim- much simpler in premise than Paradroid. Um, and so it's more immediate. You know, you, like you said, you know exactly what you're doing. It's kind of... Yeah. In a sense, it's got a you know there's a smattering of defender in there in the fact more like drop zone yeah. drop zone one defender yeah. in the fact you flip flip left right you know you can scroll both ways sort of thing you don't have the wrap around but um, to that sort of end but because it's more immediate it's not as lasting it's not as deep no. there's not as much to this as much as much depth it's solid it's a solid hard shooter which you know as you've touched upon sort of thing but I felt it it was a it's a tad this difficulty comes from the fact that it's like a, it's a bit unfair yes. Because yes. at times it's it's you, you hear that boop 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 of the enemies. Yeah. Oh, don't. But you but I don't know whether it's just me or something. But you were never sure a which direction they were coming from, what type of enemies they were, and what formation they were going to be on. Whether a they were going to collide with you or shoot you. It it it, it, it seemed a bit random, and I, it, and your, your time for reaction is so minimal that yeah. you're dead before you know it. Yeah. And that's it's like you know a bit something you know that was a bit more telegraph. I don't know whether it needed the, um, you know, the defender style radar so you could see them coming. Yeah, something. might have helped. That could have helped. So, and and that's where I think its main it falls down on because it, it's just rock hard. And 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 but I, I guess if you're aiming for an arcade style, wanting people to pump their money in, you want it to be rock hard. But this is a home computer game, so there needed to be something. And even Defender had your, you know, the original Defender has your scanner, you know, the the map of the thing, so you can see where stuff is. So to me, that feels. Like a bit of an oversight, and could have been, you know, could have been useful. Um, the mini game that's in it, when you take down the dreadnoughts, it's, just, it's not as good as Paradroids. There's no, no skills. No, it's no. just a, it's just a press the button at the right time and it gets harder. Yeah. It's like oh, that's it. It's, I mean, it is really good. I put it, it looks great. It plays smoothly. It's got great sound effects. For, for me, you know, it's getting ninety four percent. Yeah, probably. It's a sizzler every day of the week. It's um, it's well polished. It's rock hard, but it's really, you know, it is really good and it is smooth and polished and and everything about it has that Braybrook shine and shimmer that we've kind of come to expect. And it's 
it's like I think we're both in agreement here, sort of thing. That it's just its difficulty level and unfairness is just the thing that stops it, you know, from yeah. because I I, I, yeah. I like the level design where you've got to flip on your side sometimes to fit down the narrow gaps, and there's nice touches like that, and they kind of lift it above your just standard stuff. But there's just you just die far too often for yeah. with with no way to sort of react to it, and that's that's what pulled it down a bit for me. Yeah, same. Always has always has done. You yeah. know, um, it wasn't a game I went back to a lot. Iridium. It's got a very fierce reputation, deservedly so in some respects, because it's got the polish and it's good. There's no doubt about that. It's a top-level shooter on the C64. But with all these top-level shooters, you know, we'll come across this later down the line with IO and many others. They're just so hard. It's like, why make them this difficult? It's just, it yeah. comes to a point when playing them is like, you know, it's a more, of a, a more of an endurance and more of an endurance test than a fun thing. And that's yeah, always a bit I, sad. I don't, I don't remember it, but didn't you mention uh, Phobia? Phobia is another one, yeah. Phobia, I, there's a number of them where the Sanction, even Delta, Sanction, Sanction Delta, Delta, you know, the, the level of difficulty that these games present um, is a block to the actual enjoyment of the game. And for me, this is a good example of that. It's, it's every in every other way, just you know, tone down that difficulty level a little bit, or I don't know how you maybe do that, but you no, know, but it's, it's well, like, in, I, said, it's, like I said, give you a, give you a mini map, give you the map. Yeah, so you can react to the multiple react to the enemies. You know, just have you know, if you could upgrade your weapons or something, because that comes a bit later. But maybe that logic isn't there yet. I don't know. Yeah, but maybe like, a shield. Very competent shooter. Very difficult shooter. Um, and giant, you, giant squid. Yeah, possibly a giant squid. Well, you wouldn't be disappointed if you bought this, but you would be frustrated about. Oh how no, hard absolutely it was. not. Well, yeah, the question you, you have with you these would, games, you would rinse is, it. Well, the question you have with these games is. Do they? Would you go back to it repeatedly to try and beat it? And I think if I spent nine pound on this, I would. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you would. But for how long? Because this game is going to beat you. You know, and I, <laughs> I mean, it is because I mean, I got to level eight by, by some miracle, really, um, and that was more um, haphazard, crazy, and possibly luck than uh, real judgment. And but then um, I don't know. Yeah, that's the other thing as well with it. I was never, I, I was never uh, fully clear. On why on what actually caused the land now um, status? Because I'd shoot everything on deck and shoot everything as much as I could, and sometimes it just wouldn't happen for a good bit of time, and then it would and then it would fly up. And sometimes I wouldn't have shot everything, and it would still and then I would get it. I didn't know whether it was a yeah. set time. I, I don't I wasn't, know. Is it number? I think it's number of enemies killed. It could be, but I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. It's a great. It is a great game. It's a good game, yeah. but it's just yeah, like you said, just it's rock hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you know we're we're approaching fifty. <laughs> oh yes, yes. And of course, the question is: is it a is it a game that is as good as it was then? And the answer is yes. It's the same as it was then. Bloody difficult, nice to look at, but not one for something I'm going to go back to a lot because I don't like losing at games repeatedly too often. So no, yeah, you're probably right. There we go. Yeah, we do we do like Iridium, but I think you know following up Paradroid is always going to be a tough shout. Absolutely. Um, and, Absolutely. And it's good that you know he's, he's gone off and done something different, and I think. He has succeeded in his aim to make something that wouldn't look out of place in an arcade. Yes, I think I agree. you know if that was his if that was his purpose, and he's you know he's hit that nail squarely on the head, right on the old. There bumps. we go, absolutely smacked it. Yeah. So there we go. That's Iridium. We like it, but it's hard. On to the next one. Which is a Mastertronic release. One ninety nine scored eighty one percent. This is mm-hmm. one man and his droid. Okay. Um, interesting game. This I I yeah. This is a it's a strange. There's not a lot. There's not a lot like this game. 
<laughs> no. Really? So it's a strange, strange thing. So woman on this droid. So it's a, yes, it's a, there's a, you know, the picture, the picture belies what this game is because the loading screen has you actually collecting sheep, which is weird because there's yeah. no sheep in this. No. You actually collect things called ramboids. Yes. Um, and so you are a robot shepherd droid thing tasked with rounding up a series of android sheep, ramboids. It, this is a, for want of a better description, it's going to hard, be hard to describe this sort of thing. It's a 2D scrolling puzzler mm. um, where you must herd, you've got to herd up the robots in a particular order. The um, getting, getting, and getting at least four of the, I think there's six, the sixth collector is eight, uh, six or eight. Getting four of them in the right place because you get a, they'll all randomise at the beginning when you actually start chasing them, and you've got to get them to the teleport. Is it pen? Teleport is it? You know, it's a, what do they call it? What sheep go in? Pen? I don't pen. know what they go in. Yeah, pen. The pen. So you've got to get them to the Sandwich. digital pen. Yes. <laughs> eventually. Eventually. <laughs> <laughs> booner. <laughs> um, you've got to get them to the digital booner um, in in a set order. And if you get four of them in the right order, you can progress to the next level. There's loads of levels, and there's a nice password system which allows you to skip to the levels you're at. So that's quite good. Um, you've got three. So this is all side on, or so not? Yeah, side on. And there's it's quite. It, it looks a bit. Uh, Spectrum-esque. Uh, the visuals yes. are sort of single-coloured single, single sprites, but it moves at a pace. The, the, the scrolling's a bit jerky, but it's okay. It's not too terrible, um, and it's fast. Um, the it, So you've got... It's kind of like these... You've got these walls, these areas. It's hard to describe. These sections sort of thing. And, the, and the, the ramboids, they move around them in the same way that the fireflies move around the landscape or the air, the fly in Boulder Dash. They stick to the edge and just go around, in a, you know, to the right and just follow the edges and go around. And you've got to try and block them off and head, herd them in the right direction so that they head towards the pen, which is a certain point. You've got three powers, three modes. You've got jet mode, which allows you to fly through them. You've got a burrow mode, which allows you to burrow and create new spaces through the through the walls that uh, make up these kind of mazes. Uh, and you've got a mine, um, a mine or dig or something, which allows you to dig through the earth and create new passageways. We're using these skills. You've got to kind of section off the ramboids, which are all moving at the same point. Um, you know, it, they're all they're all together sort of thing. And what you don't want is you don't want the wrong way, wrong one to get to the pen because if you don't get four in the right order, you don't click, collect the level and you have to repeat it and so on and so forth. This is tough. It's a tough, tough game um, because there's a countdown going. Um, and one of the problems I had with it sort of thing is that opening section where you have to get through the I don't know what it is. It's like a a, a section where there's just all the all these sheep are just moving in a certain direction. You have yeah. to dodge your way through them. I didn't see the point of it. I, what, was, what was this? Just give me the main game. There's enough in the main game that this section is completely pointless mm. and really frustrating as well because they'll just trap you in and force you back down to the bottom and you've got to get to the top and to the main main challenge of the game. Seems weird. Um, for one ninety nine, there's a lot here and there's a it's a really there's an actual pretty solid decent game. This. Um, and it's capped off with a great Hubbard piece of music. Um, you know, this is a one of you know. I, I really like this piece. I think it's quite quite it keep it keeps things going. It fits the game. Um, you know, it, it, it's got a pace to it and helps everything. It, it feels a bit rough and it feels a bit, you know that there's some problems maybe in its in its kind of like it's um, in what, that opening sequence sort of thing. But generally, you know, this is it's hard. But it's if you bought this for two quid, I imagine you'd be pretty happy. I don't know. Would you? Would you have been happy with if you bought this for two quid? Um, for two quid, it's all right. I think um, it's got it's got it's got a lot more expensive production and packaging 
to the look and feel of it. So it feels like a lot more than one ninety nines worth of value out of this. Yeah. Um, the game itself is a bit weird. Um, and I found it a little bit... I think you've got to get past that initial stage, obviously, which is a bit weird, like you say, frustrating. It mm-hmm. feels a little bit, this game, like it's something that you're watching is happening rather than something that you're playing and participating in at times. So it just feels like stuff's happening and you don't quite know where you're part and or placing it. I know you've got to round things up and get them in the right order, but it's not quite clear and how that kind of functions and works. And you sort of have to play it a bit to get into that. Music helps. Um, but for one ninety nine, it's 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 pretty good value and... It's weird. It's it's an it's an unusual concept. That's no bad thing. Graphics are pretty good. They are spectrum esque, um, but they're okay. It moves pretty clunky, but it's a bit juddery. But you know, at the same time, it, you know, to add smooth scrolling to this would have been pointless because of the speed it's running at. Mm. It's okay. It's quite a nice little game. But again, one ninety nine is its kind of you know its its key point here. It's cheap. You're getting a lot of game fun for your money, and if you just persevere with it a bit and go with the logic, you'll have a good time. Um, I didn't find it that I couldn't get that into it, but that said, that's not doesn't mean it's a bad game. It just means that I got a bit overwhelmed with things moving around the screen because I'm, you know, my eyes just go. Uh. Um, <laughs> but the music is great. It's a good Rob Hubbard piece, of course. Again, lifting a game that is probably quite good in this instance to a you know a better realm. Um, so yeah, what's not to like? It's fun. It's interesting. Kind of crazy, quite quirky idea. Controls are responsive and quick. You've got some work to do to try and figure out the logic, but when you get there, you get there. And once you've done it, you've got it because it's the same logic applied to every level. And how long you'd play it for? Well, you've got 199s worth of value to play out. That could take a while on this game, so you're doing all right. I think it's not bad. It's a lot better than some full price games we've seen. You know, put this 199, oh, 199 yeah, yeah. droid against the uh, Relax games that we've spoken about in the previous episode, and you're talking different realm. So. It starts to make a mockery now of those games, really. Yeah, I think this is actually a conversion from the, from the Spectrum game because uh, Counter Lemon sixty four is converted by Adrian mm. Shepard. Um, so convert compare this with the conversion of uh, you know the ultimate stuff, and you know at that full price ten pound, you bought Nightshade or you bought this for two quid, you'd be well happier. Is this converted you know, by Shepard? Did you say that's ironic? Adrian Shepard, yeah. Actually, I, I didn't. You, do you know in my brain, I didn't even make that connection. <laughs> it had to be really. <laughs> It, it must be yes, uh, but yeah. So this is is a spectrum conversion, which you know does explain those spectrum visuals. But one ninety nine, one ninety nine. Yeah, the scrolling reminds me of the scrolling in the maze sections in uh, Finders Keepers. Yes, yes, similar. Uh, even if it's a little bit faster, but it's that same kind of. I think it's character yeah. scrolling. It looks like it's not quite so smooth. But yeah, I think for one ninety nine, you bought this. Everything that's in it, there's a, there's a there's a pretty decent game in here. There's there's a quite a chunk of chunk of thing that you could go at. Um, and 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 I, and I like. I think that that password system is a really yeah, that good is a nice little addition. Touch, yeah. um, because having to do however many levels there are, sixteen, twenty levels from the get go every time would be an absolute nightmare. But having yeah. a password system which you can just go in, yeah, I'm at level Gives seven, put the password in, dive in. Yeah, that's quite forward thinking. Mm. Um, I think this was, you know, on, uh, you know, yeah, you would, you would, you'd be happy with this for two quid. Well happy. Yeah, and you know um, that I think uh, it, some. Bobby, one man and his droid, super kid, has got through all those levels <laughs> and sent the list of those passwords to Zap for next month. So you'll yeah. be able to play those levels whenever you like, surely. What's his name? Bobby, one man and his droid, super kid. <laughs> he was always going to be good at this game, wasn't he? I, he was waiting for it. That <laughs> he was, was born you know, they to knew. be it. He was born. It's like, like, like Tommy and Pinball. He was born to play this game. Was his second name Pinball? Tommy Pinball? Ironically, it was Tommy Pinball, yeah. Tommy Pinball. Tommy Pinball, yeah. Pin, pinball Bobby, Wizard. Yeah. Bobby One Man and His Droid. Not yeah. quite as catchy. No, but and the musical's awful. 
But, you know, that's just the way it works. Sometimes you can have a pinball wizard. Sometimes you have a woman and his droid. Who knows where it goes, really? That's, that's, uh, true, that's yeah. the who for you, though. They'll they'll write an album by anything, those guys. They will. I knew someone called Frank Iridium as well. He was really good at that game, too. So, did, yeah, you know. and the Who did an album about that as well. Iridium, <laughs> hear did me, they? feel me, play <laughs> me. Super, yeah, they did. Super Dreadnought. <laughs> they call me Iridium. Yeah, there's, this, there's a whole album there, but let's not talk the about who, that. <laughs> the Who does C64 games. Exa- exactly, yeah. That's the, name, that's the album title. Who sixty four? Yeah. Who sixty four? Yeah. Who? Oh my God! Who? There is a concept album. Wait, come on, come on. Who? No, you... no. <laughs> I know that Pete Townsend <laughs> listens to this podcast regularly, and I'm, I'm sure he does. He does, and I know that he is an avant-garde musician of immense caliber. <laughs> come on, Pete. You know what to do. You know what to do, Pete. Come on. <laughs> Staff, come of, on. Staff of Carnath, the musical. Exactly. You know, eight-bit musical. Come on, Pete. Make Arthur Pendragon the, the hero he could be. <laughs> Feel me. Who'd play him in the film? Um, well, Who, Arthur Pendragon? Yeah, in the, in the film of uh, The Who's musical. Goodness Adrian me. Adrian Brody. Good good choice, yes. Good choice. He's got a long face. That's it. That's who it is. Done. There you go. Sorted. Right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> God's sake. Let's do another Mastertronic game that I'm going to let you talk about. That game's another 199. Didn't score quite as high. Single name, Kane. Yes. Tell us all about Kane and his adventures. So it's uh, Western. Western. You play the role of Sheriff, the Sheriff of the town of Kane. Um, And the Wagari Indians are at war with the Pale Faces and have been for years. Um, They want to build a railway track through the Holy Valley of the Wagari. Uh, Only Marshall McGraw, that's you. Um, is esteemed enough with Wagari um, to be able to sort this problem out. The game begins four levels. Um, uh, so it's split to four levels, two of which are shooters and two are kind of on-screen target and uh, one's a side-scrolling action sequence on a horse. Or is it two It's two on a horse, two stand and shoots? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so graphically, we have the re-emergence of Mr. Um, Mission Impossible. <laughs> Who mysteriously, down, yeah. <laughs> from the realms of Mission Impossible, appears in this game. Um, I, I'm sensing borrowed with a cowboy hat on. Um, to so that, so that makes it all right. It's like yeah, it's like exactly. it's, not the, it's, it's <laughs> not the same thing exactly. So you've got to try and uh, orchestrate uh, some kind of peace deal between the Wagari and the train company. And to do that, you have to kill loads of stuff. Um, mainly ducks, it seems, because those levels where you're shooting ducks go on forever. <laughs> So, so yeah, exactly. So, um, so then the game plays out over four levels, shooters and, and horse riding and stuff. Now, it's an okay game, this. For one night and it's okay. Um, I had to play it quite a few times to try and navigate my way through more of the levels because they're gone forever. So the mm-hmm. first level where you're shooting the ducks, gone forever. You've got sam- mysteriously sampled sound in this game. <laughs> That's so weird. For, for some reason, <laughs> I can't explain. You have sampled sound, so the ducks kind of you got instead of a, like a sound effect of the ducks dying, you get like a, a eight bit sampled <laughs> death quack, for one of a better description, <laughs> which is just, it's just which is kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and so then that that idea portrays. So when you shoot the people in the game. You're like, <laughs> So you get these kind of weird, short, really short, you know, 8-bit, not even 8-bit samples, they're probably 2-bit samples, really short samples. So yeah, it's playing with speech, and I say speech, but samples and stuff. So 
first scene, you've got to shoot the birds. It goes on forever, but you shoot the birds. And the, the idea is that you trade the dead birds with the Indians, so you've got to shoot plenty of them. And the second one, you're on horseback, and you've got to ride to the town of Cain in a time, set time. Then you, when you reach the town, you're ambushed by outlaws. So you got to, you know, you got the, you control a gun. You got to not totally like the first scene, but you got to shoot the. Uh, you move left and right, and also move the character left and right. You got to shoot the player. And then you're on horseback at the end. There's a moving train, and you've got to try and you know do that. Um, so the long and the short of this game is for one ninety nine. It's actually quite a playable multi level. It feels a bit like Beachhead, the Western version. It's kind of weird. <laughs> so it's kind of like a. It's kind of. It almost feels like it's a. A beachhead type game in the sense that you've got four levels to go at yeah, the kind yeah. of indiscriminate logic between them they've kind of pieced together in a kind of weird way um they have borrowed graphics from all over the shop here um but you know what you could go with it the samples are kind of needless and stupid <laughs> but you know what there they are so for 199 um this is actually an okay game it's not terrible um i just found it a bit odd and, and the levels seem to go on for too long which tells me that really they didn't have much to give you. So, you know, the levels that do go on for too long are the kind of the shooting the ducks and the shooting stuff ones, and they really do go on for ages. Uh-huh. So you get bored playing them, and if you can persevere with it, I think once you'd got to the scene four and you'd finished it, I don't know where you'd go after that. Because if, if you're repeating the same thing and again, you're just going to be like, eh, I've done it now. So I don't think it has a lot of longevity, but for one ninety nine, Zap gave it 63%. It's about right. I'd have maybe given it a bit less because they have ripped off the graphics, but I had a bit of fun playing it and I could sort of get through it. Took a while, but what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pretty much in the uh, same camp. I think I'm a... <clears throat> Ironically, the only flip side I have of this sort of thing is that I put a multi-screen cowboy I'm up. So you're shooting birds, riding a horse, having a shootout, and then trying to stop the express. Which, you know, uh, and as you said, I've written, it's not terrible, but I put there isn't really much here for two quid. Even, you know, even for two quid, there's, you know, there's, you stand there and you just shoot arrows. Yes. And and it goes, and, it, and like, okay, that's okay for the first 30 seconds or so, but goes on for a while. So you're just doing the same thing as that squawk happens and you're just trying to build up lives. And then, you know, you, you've got jumping over a few bushes and what have you, and then you've got to shoot some people who keep randomly popping out, and then you jump some bushes again. This, yeah, they, they take a little while, but I don't know. They, um, but the main sprite is nice. Yeah, he's Impossible Mission Man. It's, it's kind of weird when you see him. It's very strange when you see him come running on. Um, yeah, it's very odd. Um, it's functional. It works. The squawk of the birds is funny. It's hard to get annoyed at because it is two quid and it's, it, it, it all works and it's a bit of fun and it's nice to see that you can practice the different levels, which is always good uh, to allow you to sort of have a go at them and get better at them before you sort of try it from the beginning to get through them. It's... It's hard to, yeah, sixty-three percent, two quid. You know, it's way better than Outlaws, um, that awful ultimate one we looked at oh, that's um, terrible, last time, um, and that was awful sort of thing. So as a as a Western multi-screener up thing, yeah, it's it's all right. It's two quid. I, I, if I, I think I'm not sure if I did actually buy this back then. I think I might have done, um, and I think you know you just the production values are quite high for you know the animations and the backgrounds and what's there. You don't mind it, yeah. It, this is a this is for me. This is perfect two quid fodder. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You're not going to worry too much about what you paid for that. Yeah. So for me, this would be like, yeah, this is all right. I could play this, and it's a bit fun, and it's stupid, and go for your, you know, try to shoot as many ducks as you can. I imagine you could play that duck screen forever if you got a really oh. good shot, and just drive yourself mad with that squawk. It goes on forever. Yeah. Well, it just depends on how good a shot you are. 
Yeah. Yeah, if you're Clearly a terrible shot, not. it's over very quickly. Uh, no, I was playing it forever. Then you're a very good shot. Yes. You're which an, is kind you're, of you're counter a, logic, counter, counterproductive logic, really. But there you go. Well, I suppose. But you, the more ducks you shoot, the more lives you get in it, which is a strange. Yeah. You trade them for lives like, later ages in the game. the next level after that to jump over the bushes. But once I'd figured it out, I was all, I was all good. Yeah, they, they are tricky. It is tricky. It's always the back legs I found. Yeah. It was the back. It was the trailing leg. Yes. The trailing, the trailing leg of the horse that got me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all right. It's, for, it's a two quid Western. What, 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 what are you going to expect? With the Impossible yeah. Mission Man starring in it, well, exactly. it's like um, it's like um, it, it's like uh, John Wayne starring in a budget western. You recognise him, but you're not quite sure what he's doing in this. Yeah, it wouldn't be John Wayne, would it? It'd be like you know. Well, no, it would be because it's, it's the guy pain. from Impossible. Well, it's the guy from Impossible Mission. So it's the guy from the bigger production stuff slumming it in something cheap. Well, it looks like the guy from Impossible Mission, but he's wearing a <laughs> cowboy hat, so it's, it's, it's this, the, the Bruce Lee equivalent. <laughs> It'd be Ronald. It'd be Ronald Reagan, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's who it would be. Or maybe Alan. What was in there? Alan Kidd. I don't know. Guy or Shane. Bob. <laughs> or Shane. <laughs> yeah. Bob Shane. Bob Shane. Shaney Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, him. It's him. It's all right. Kane. Chris. Yeah, it's all right. He also went on to play the uh, bad guy in RoboCop Two. Yeah, well, Kane is a weirdly popular name for games on the C64 because there's a few games with Kane in the title. At least two I can think of. Probably only Kane two, and... but there's two. Legend of Kane, yes. Oh, Legend of Kane, yeah, I suppose. Yes. Yeah, is that it? Uh, Kane the Bomber, Bomber <laughs> Kane. Those are games I made and released, so you, you wouldn't know about them. <laughs> do, they, do they live in another, they go to yeah. another school? Yeah, I've, I've, yeah I've, got, I've got them. You've never played those. You wouldn't know about them, but I've got them, yeah. yeah Sugar Kane, Kane Sugar. <laughs> Cain and Abel. Yeah, Cain and Went. Yeah, loads of them. Loads of the whole Cain series. <laughs> Pastor Cain. Yes, yes, there is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is not about a, a vicar, but uh, just about a, a wheat-based product. There is, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, uh, yeah. yes. In fact, so let me just make a note of that, because I probably need to update the program file, because that's, <laughs> that's the sequel right there. Make a note of that. Oh, enough. Enough Cain-based shenanigans. Cain, yes. it's all right. Two quid, you'll be all two right Two quid, this. yeah, it's, it's go a bit, for it. It's a bit of fun. A bit of fun. Yes, two, is that on. two two-quidders, one after another? That's pretty good, though. Two two-quidders, two, two two, yeah. So for four quid... You've got quite a good variety of gaming there. One Man and his Droid and Kane. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I would be way happier buying One Man and his Droid and Kane over um, Night Nightshade and Dragon Skull. Yes, absolutely. For 20 and quid. I would have six, and I would have 16 quid left to spare. Exactly. You know, to spend on clats and well, coke. That, and back then, that would have bought uh, you a car and a, <laughs> and a cinema. Oh, it would have finally got me my uh, Ford Sierra, <laughs> the car of my dreams. <laughs> And, and I'm not actually kidding there, listeners. That was the car of my dreams back in the 80s. <laughs> you the could have Sierra. The Axon Jackson figure that you always wanted. Oh, I love that sort of thing. What do you think he'd have said if he had a drawstring? Um, <laughs> what, Axon Jackson? <laughs> one, yeah. that, that particular what version. Ca- what would be his catchphrase? Uh, I'm Action. I'm, I'm Jackson. I'm here I'm for all, the action. I'm all action. Yeah, it'd be something like that. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. I had an action man that said, uh, give me some cover. Which, ironically, when my sister was playing Cindy's and Action Men, which you do when you've got sisters who do that, um, and they put them in bed together because <laughs> they were married, um, she pulled the cord on the Action Man and he said, give me some cover, and he was in bed with her. To this day, it lives with me. It lives with me, that. <laughs> Did she pull the uh, blanket over She was him? like, oh, he's always so demanding, that Action Man. <laughs> it's like he goes to sleep in his underpants. Come on, they're sealed into them. He has no light. <laughs> he's chilly. He is. 
Well, you, need to, you need a blanket. <laughs> but we both... Mis- myself and my sister remember that to this day, the day she pulled the Action Man card and he went, give me some cover. Yes. <laughs> he was angry about that. Oh, he was. Oh, this is what we did to entertain ourselves back in the 1980s. <laughs> exactly. None of, none of bloody mobile games. We had that. Yeah. Cindy had to marry Action Man in some elaborate ceremony. <laughs> well, there you go. Jesus Christ. Don't even get me started. Oh, I, I, I was not happy about the pairing. I, I was not happy at, at all. He was a military man, an action man. He was not for domestic life. He was, you know, he, he had a eagle eyes and he had a little notch in his neck to look down his gun barrel. He was all action, that guy. And then he had an apron on and was making barbecues in the garden. You know, in the end... I found him years later in a box in the loft, just in his boots. So that's all he had on. <laughs> just a pair of boots. So that's a true fact. So he had his naked, he died, naked he body. He died with his boots on. <laughs> his naked body, his shaven haircut, his eagle eye still worked. And, his hair and grown? No, no, he was, he was short-haired. He hadn't grown, obviously. His eyes were still eagle-like. <laughs> How um, freaked out would you have been if his hair had grown? And he had long nails. <laughs> you didn't help me. Why didn't you trim my nails and cut my hair? That would be, be terrifying. And, Vampire action man. <laughs> and I pulled the cord, because the cord was still in the back of the action man. It was it was amazing, well, really. I hope so. Pulled Where else cord, would it be? And it just went... <laughs> oh, dear. That, something suffered badly there over time. <laughs> No, he lost his he lost his ability to say anything. Bless him. But uh, there he was in his boots and his blue underpants. And do you know what? Every year now since I found that, I do that on that day. I just walk downstairs in my underpants and uh, my pair of boots, much to my wife's horror. And just go. Smell <laughs> <laughs> that noise. So I communicate really with it all all day. I just walk she around in my pants. She doesn't <laughs> understand why, <laughs> and she never will. But I could, all I have to try and do it. I've got a piece of rope that I tie around just out my back. If she pulled the cord, I'd say something. But it would be just some horrific sound. But there you go. That's uh, that's probably a, a window into my private life you didn't need. But, but action, there you go. action man day at the, at the, at the Graham yes, household. Uh, the Graham. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. It's actually it's coming up. It's uh, it's it's uh, it's in June. Oh, so your wife is a, your wife is a lucky woman. She is. Um. She well. For many reasons. For, for many, many, many reasons. reasons. Not that one, though. Not that one, no. That one outweighs them all. Yes. <laughs> all yeah. the reasons she might it's be like, lucky have been yes. counterbalanced by yeah. Action Man Day. Ex- explains the email she sent to me where she said, I dread June and all it stands for. So, just, you know, I thought, I was just put that off as a joke. I, you know, we all we all hate June sometimes, you know. Blue pants, boots and static. Exactly, yeah. Well, I've got the shaved head thing. I don't, I do have eagle eyes. They're not as eagle, though. Not. 2020 i have to wear glasses now so that's not the action man that perhaps is perhaps you know is in the box so anyway that's a bizarre digression beyond the point of pain anyway buy for 199 it's a good game and on that note let's move on jesus Two. <laughs> god our last game of the uh, episode oh. it's a league before so it's all right just go we can't be doing <laughs> yeah, anymore you're okay you're Absolutely. okay to leave now I'm, I'm imagining you've stopped listening about five minutes ago yeah, but... they're like, just a look of horror they're like no I can't, they un- I can't unsee that now. 
they won't stop talking. <laughs> Blue underpants. <laughs> Blue underpants. <laughs> right. oh. So, Enigma, Enigma Force. Enigma Force. What is Enigma Force? Enigma Force is the... Right, Enigma Force. Enigma Force was a 9.95. It got 65%. It is the sequel to Shadowfire, um, which is interesting. So we get a text cr- scroll scroll at the top at the beginning telling us that Zoff has escaped um, and that we are going to get him. And then it tells us that we've had a successful crash landing, which I questioned, because then isn't it just a landing? Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes, a successful crash is a is a not a crash. It's a land. It's a landing. You landed. Yes, you did. We've successfully crash landed. But well, you landed then. Yes, Don't you take landed. it away from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so okay, so Shadowfire, if you remember, we looked at in a very first episode. We did. Uh, icon driven two D strategy type thing where you you know you guide your uh, crew of space banditos or whatever they are around uh around some around a spaceship trying to capture evil general zoff this uh picks up on that but i, I f- but goes for a more typical visual styling and that the fact there are now sprites with animations and you go from room to room and you use icons to move them there and there's two races and they're fighting against each other and i had no idea what was really going on in this uh, i found it very confusing the background's in the first game, one of the things we actually really liked from the first game was its visual style. And I think the the switch to a more standard visual representation is a big mistake because the backgrounds in this are dull as hell because they're just grey box rooms. Um, and it's boring, boring to look at. The sprites are not very particularly very good either. Um, they're not particularly well animated. They're a bit blocky. They're a bit the um, yeah. and the mix of the mix of real time gameplay. An icon-driven control with these, you know, these creatures wandering around shooting him and all the kind of stuff, sort of thing, just don't work. It's, it becomes very annoying very quickly. This, you know, so you, you, your screen is split into two with icons at the bottom and the game world at the top, similar to uh, sort of Spy versus Spy, I guess, is a sort of similar yeah, type of yeah, thing. Yeah. But it just, it's just not great, and it, it's not even enjoyable to play because it's so frustrating trying to control multiple people in multiple different locations, doing different things, watching this going on, and not really having a clue what was happening. And even the main tune, which I do like, I do like the tune. I think it's a Fred Gray track, is it? It's a nice, really nice piece of music, sort of thing, like Shadowfire was. But the game is a mess because it's, it, it's a step too far. This is, a, it's a Denton Designs again, and this is a real misfire from what they were doing before. It's, it's a bit of a mess in all directions and just doesn't co- co- coalesce into anything that is enjoyable. Not for me, anyway. Did you find it? Did you get on with it? No, I didn't. Um, great music. I like the graphics. but We never really complained about the graphics from Shadowfire, so it's a, it's a genuine follow-on from that. Um, it's just a very different, though. That was not sprite-based, was it? It was bitmap no, and little visual stuff. That, yeah. I just don't like the sprites in this. I no, felt they were I just, a bit bitty. I found, I found myself disconnected from it. Um, I didn't quite know what it was that it was asking me to do. It felt I was a bit lost in a world I was unfamiliar with. I didn't get too far into Shadowfire, so Enigma Force is always going to be a bit of a big ask for me. I don't really like these kind of multiplayer RPG-ish, kind of, with the exception of Shining Force on the Mega Drive, uh, for some reason. I don't really like these sort of turn-based <laughs> multiplayer. Not that it's turn-based, but you know what I mean. This kind of multiplayer kind mm-hmm. of idea with icons and I don't know. It didn't have. It was missing. Was it me or was it missing something that Shadowfire had? Um, and it's a genuine carry-on sequel. It continues the story. It continues the logic. But for some reason, there was just something that didn't quite work. And I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just that the graphics, like you say, weren't as good. 
in some ways. I mean, they're pretty to look at, but they don't quite, in, in the same way that Shadowfire suffered from, you know. Um, I just, I don't know, it just didn't connect with me. And I found myself struggling with it quite quickly um, mm-hmm. and just clicking on things and not quite knowing what they were doing. And icons, by their nature, have to represent something that makes sense to the person. They're a visual cue. And I found myself not not being able to understand the visual cues of the game very easily. And that was a barrier. And then as soon as you put that barrier in, um, you're, multi- you're trying to multiply that control logic across this, uh, multiple characters and also a big game arc and a story. And, and uh, just in the end, I just got overwhelmed with things I didn't understand. And so I just yeah. tuned out, which is a shame. Shadowfire, had, I think, had an easier in. I think you could. it was less impenetrable than Enigma Force. Enigma Force just feels like you know a lot of stuff. Get on with it. And uh-huh. that's the sadness, really, because it there's in there somewhere quite a nice idea and big game, and it's probably a really good sequel, but you'd have to work really hard to do all those puzzles and soldiers and all that complexity to be able to get to that. And I don't think, I don't, genuinely don't think many people would be that bothered unless you're a really hardcore Shadowfire fan and want to know what happens. I yeah. am not. So it it wasn't, as, it was a big switch off for me. I'm sorry to say, but it was. It only got 65% in Zap. I think there's a reason, and I think it's the exact reason we've identified. It just—it's a little bit—it's a bit of a crapper version of Shadowfire, if I was honest. Really, uh, for for me, it's the it's the melding of icons and, and real time gameplay. Yeah, it this could have been all right if it if it was like a prototype sort of early version of something like XCOM, yeah. turn based or you know strategy based, where you moved and it says right, move there, make this action. Then you've got time to sort of contemplate your actions with the with the icons and stuff. And I think that would have worked. This, that could have been really good. I would have really dug into that, and I thought that that would have been quite good because you know those kind of turn-based, like if even if you go two D to things like Advance Wars or whatever, those games really sell themselves in that. And this is there almost, but making it everything happen in real time, even things like you know Mario versus Rabbids on on the on the Switch and stuff. So there's there's games that do this, like I said, like XCOM. There's tons of stuff like that, turn-based ogre ogre tactics and the Final Fantasy Tactics games. There's tons of stuff that did this. This could have been an early version of that, I think. And if they had maybe taken that step and just gone, you know what? We're just going to take a step back and say, right, this this is your move. You move that guy moved there, then it's their move, and you got to work your way through and some strategy. That could have been really good. But this, no, it's 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 it's, it's again forcing two. Two things together that don't work. Don't work for me. No, this was a, a a big misfire on all. And I really wanted to like this. And I play. I remember playing a lot of this back in the day because I really wanted to like it because I loved that music and I liked the styling and I liked Shadowfire. But it never. It it just kept like you said, just distance. There's a there's a yeah. distance in this game, and and it just never. I never twigged. I never connected with it. No, same. Sadly, but true. Yeah, good music though. Do like the yes. music. Fred Gray. Do like the music. Another classic by Fred Gray with Enigma Force. Yep. Yeah, it is good. There we go. That's our games for uh, this week. So before we round up and say what's coming next week, let's have some crapverts. So yeah, so let's uh, move into the crapverts. We've got three here to look at. First one's a double page spread, which is uh, confusing as all hell, which I suppose the program was, but I, had no, I have no idea what, what I'm supposed to be looking at in this advert. Uh, this is the advert for the game Max Headroom. Weird. Weird. It's straight. Weird. It's odd, isn't it? Yes. So... What we've got in this is a double page spread. So across the top, we have a series of still images of a man, a couple of images of a man in the rain in in some kind of struggling, as in still images from the film. I think this is from the, the, it's from the film Max Headroom um, or the, the TV show, whatever it was. I can't remember. There was, a, there, was a, there was an actual film of this, I think. Then there's three more images of, I don't know, 
It's some. It's a dark alley with a, with someone on a motorbike. I think. Then it says, "What I want to know is in big blue lettering." And then there's a broken Max Headroom barrier. You know, normally what you get when you go through a through a, a, into a car park or whatever. But then in the bottom left, there's a kid in a bath typing on a computer. And I do mean a kid in a bath typing on a computer. And in the bottom right, there's a couple of screenshots from the game, and it says, "Why would anyone play anything else?" Was I don't know. What, there's one of the screenshots. These are from the game, or are they from the game? Because the TVs are made up as well. So there's there's Max Headroom on a t- on a computer generated t- computer TV, and then there's a building with some. Th- what is this? I don't know. I don't know. Max Headroom was a kind of a whole thing in of itself, wasn't it? So yeah. So Max Headroom itself was uh, some kind of. It wasn't it. A, Originally, and I could be wrong, but wasn't it some kind of um, TV presenter for music TVs, as MTV thing, or was it? Am I imagining that? I thought it was some kind of Channel Four film or something. I thought I thought it was. I, I honestly don't know. Maybe I should have looked it up, but I, I'm not sure what the hell this is or what this advert is trying to sell me. But I don't understand the process of why you would have those five shots across the top and the kid in the bath in the bottom left. It just I can't I can't tie it all together. No, I think I think it was a concept of an idea around um some tv presenter but it was actually a, meant to be computer generated tv presenter TV, but it wasn't computer generated it was actually a guy in a mask yeah made to look like it i think he presented music videos there was a kind of a tv show spin-off series based off and he presented music videos a bit akin i think really to something like um uh the what's the animated show um that they did with mtv um butthead and whatever it was called. Oh, Beavis and Butthead. So Beavis and Butthead. So I think in that kind of idea that it was it was a person doing stuff, weirdly repetitive, weird backgrounds, kind of juddery computer stuff. Yeah, it was, it was stuff. kind of C- CG-ish. Was yeah, it CG or was he a model? Or no, what? It, was, it, was, it was a person in a mask on a, on a green screen with right. made to look like it was CG. And that was the kind of concept of it, um, just in that kind of weird experimental thing. Was the film some kind of weird sort of dystopian, futuristic... Yeah, thing. cyberpunk, essentially, cyberpunky thing. Yeah. I don't know what, much more about the story of what that was. The move, the TV show was essentially music videos broken down with bits of Max Hedrum being some kind of DJ, VJ, DJ, VJ. And then um, there was some kind of sort of film logic. I don't really know. And I'll tell you why, because it didn't really connect with me at all. I know people that do like it. I wasn't one of them and it never did. I just didn't quite get it and... I'm not sure if I was, maybe in my brain and my my conceptual ideas of things weren't ready for a Max Headroom. I think because it was American sounding as well, maybe I, maybe in my youth attributed it to an American idea that, you know, it's American, you know, and you have to put yourself in the logic of the 80s a bit. And, yeah. you know, we were, you know, northern lads in a northern town, <laughs> British to our core back in the 80s and this... US stuff didn't quite connect with us in some ways. Stuff like this, we were a bit. I would, I would have been. I know, I would have been looking at it, thinking, "What on earth is this garbage from the US?" Even though it probably wasn't. I um, think it's British in it. Yeah, I think it's, it is. It is British. It's, it's, yeah, it's a British fictional character. Yeah. What I mean, but in my mind, I'd have been like because it was sounded American. I just, I just don't remember having a connection with it. And so when I look at the advert, it makes absolutely no sense. Even if it. <laughs> That's Even good. if I wanted it I to, it might just it, be me. No, it makes no. It says, you know, what I want to know is Max Headroom. Why would anyone play anything else? I don't know what it means. I don't <laughs> understand <laughs> it. And you know, as an advert, it's got some computer graphic, like you say, computer graphic images. I don't believe they're of the game, but the, they might be of a game. I don't know. I would hope that those are screens from the versions of the game. Otherwise, it feels a bit misrepresented. But 
you know, it is recommended price is nine ninety five. Classic advert of this time. All substance, no content. Doesn't tell you yeah, anything. Yeah. And weird images at the top of possibly a film with a guy shining a torch. I don't know <laughs> really what that means. It doesn't mean a whole lot. And the Max Headroom sign has been smashed and broken. I, I don't understand it. It's a bit of a, again, a concept advert. I think if, if you knew what Max Headroom was, you'd probably be like, oh, it's Max Headroom going great. It certainly didn't speak to me at that in 1986. I, it bypassed me on TV and it bypassed me in gaming format as well. And now I don't think I ever yeah. played it. Are we going to come across this yeah. to play? I would have thought so, probably somewhere along the line. Comes out for the C64, so all these adverts we will get to look at games for. We'll see if we can make sense of Max Headroom then, because uh, without Max Headroom's kind of quirky speech, and good help us if they've tried to replicate that in 8 bit. Um, I'm hoping they have. I imagine it's going to be friggin' awful, but there we go. Let's find out. <laughs> let's find out. <laughs> you heard it here first. All right, <laughs> so the, ne- the next one. <laughs> oh, dear. Terrible. I love this show. This is Battle of the Planets. Oh dear. Who drew those characters at the bottom? No, we're still... Who cut that Battle of the Planets out from the cornflake packet that it was attached to and <laughs> badly placed it on that? Goodness <laughs> me. Why? Retail of nine ninety five. So this is the Battle of the Planets advert. So we've got Battle of the Planets across the top, cut out from something and curved across the top of a, of a, a viewpoint out into a space battle with... Well, they look like they're shooting more cereal. There's more cereal from that cereal packet, I think, from the what they cut that title out from. That's what those spaceships. Are. The spaceships are quite nice, but the, the the brown things that they're shooting are not quite so great. But then at the bottom, there's the cast of Battle of the Planet. So we've got Mark, Princess, Keop, Tiny, and Jason. But they're all slightly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just ever so slightly enough to make you go. It's like the Uncanny Valley of Battle of the Planets characters. <laughs> and also as well, can you read the text? No, putting black text on... I can see Microgen, which made me sweat when I saw it, because I'm like, oh, it's them. If I try and read microgen. it, it says, Battle of the Planets is the space simulation that was selected for the National Computer Games Championship. Right. <laughs> means absolutely nothing. There's nothing no, on that like advert that tells you the game, does it? That even the retail 995 looks like it was an afterthought. Yeah, they, they all the three characters look like they're really unhappy to be in this advert. Yeah, and it's always fun when you draw in two of the characters with their backs towards the person of the advert, right? <laughs> yeah, so. poor old Mark and Mark and uh, Tiny. No, Jason. So that's Jason. It marks at the front. I, I don't know the names. Um, she looks annoyed. The one on the left, the old bird face Pr- there. Prin- that's that's Princess. Right, you know these characters very well. Princess Keop, then there's Tiny in the middle, uh, Jason at the back, and Mark on the right. I know Battle of the Planets. The, the myth of Battle of the Planets, of course, is that it was a Japanese anime series, but it was actually Battle of the Planets is an American adaption, adaptation of a, of a Japanese anime series. Yeah. So they said so they adapted it, changed the dialogue, dub, redubbed it, re-plotted some of it. So some of the plots... Um, is faithful and some of the plot of the episodes is completely different because it just didn't suit the audience um, it'd be interesting to see it subtitled in its original format about the planets um, or as it was politely known is it um, Gatchaman or something like that uh, it's something that like is, that, yeah. but I was a only a fan of Battle of the Planets when it was on which means that um, when, it, when it came on it was always you know Battle of the Planets you know, and, I'd, and I'd watch it that's He-Man. Yeah, same, same. This all sounds the same. Uh, <laughs> I remember the Battle of the Planets, and I remember the Fiery Phoenix, and uh, that's the only thing I really remember. Battle of the Planets. Yeah, now I remember. Yeah, that helped. 
Why is He-Man always <laughs> stuck in my brain? Damn that <laughs> Prince Adam and his good looks. Well, that's the thing. It's not just not just the music that's stuck in your brain, is it? It's Adam. It's, yeah. it's He-Man and his... Uh... Well, he did wear blue underpants and boots sometimes. And, <laughs> well, it's just, you know, that's, that's down to He-Man day. That's, that's in August. I've got, I don't have to worry oh, about God, that for no. a while. But, <laughs> but anyway, Battle of the Planets. As an you, just ride game, a big, you just walk around on top of a cat. Well, here's my, here's my question. <laughs> yeah, Battle of Cat, it ain't. Um, here's a, my question for you is this. Um, did you play this? Because if you were such no. a big Battle of the Planets fan, how did this not be a part of your game collection? Never heard of it. I can only assume that it didn't come out for the C64, but it's good because it doesn't actually say that I can see on there any um, no. any particular... It just says it was selected for the National Computer Games Championship. Well, it's Microgen, isn't it? And Microgen did... Uh, did they do Everyone's a Wally and... And that no. horrible one we looked at last week, the... Uh, one with the racially insensitive one with oh, the, my gosh, the, yes. the, the final one, not pajama, whatever that was. Yes, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm, not, I'm not happy about that advert sort of thing no. because I'm not happy about those drawings of my, char- my characters. No, no. They're, 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 Shame, they're not really. They're not, they're not right. And she really doesn't look happy. Princess is not happy. And I don't understand and, and it. I don't, bl- I don't blame her. But here's the thing, right? Just as a final part, final, final shot. The one thing I do remember about Battle of the Planets is that the Battle of the Planets writing was not like that. It had this kind of three no. D effect. It was like it was like big bold yeah. battle of the planets. Battle but it was kind of, of a, the planets. Like, you know, yeah, this, it came yeah, on. Remember the Superman writing in the movie Superman? It's sort of zo- it's got that zoomy. It, what it wasn't was cut out from a newspaper like that. <laughs> so <laughs> my feeling is that that uh, is just some shonky put together nonsense, which is bad, really, isn't it? No, but yeah, we're in those the times artist, now. The artists have signed it. The Steiner. Oh my gosh! In the bottom right. Oh, it is. Yeah, there it is. We'll find him. We'll find him. We'll find him. We'll anyway, hold let's him move to on. Because the next, the next advert is will is terribly exciting. <laughs> uh, can you feel the force? <laughs> so this is the force, uh, an icon-driven multi-screen strategic simulation of what it's like to take on the most difficult task of all. Right, which is loading this game, I imagine. Yeah, designed in consultation with Britain's senior police officers. Yeah, uh, for mind games. So this is basically you've got uh, some strategy game about controlling police. And on this advert, there are various police people. One on a horse. Yeah. There's a uh, Juliet Bravo in the middle. Yeah, you see, the as that advert descends, it gets less police-like, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Two guys stood next to a car. They yeah. don't look like they're in police uniform. Well, it's not. It's a traffic warden. The one on the left is a traffic warden. <laughs> Yeah, he is. <laughs> You're parked here illegally, mate. Yeah, and the one on the right, say, was the guy that used to inspect the bus tickets on, on the buses. That kind of happened. <laughs> so the, the only police-like people are the policewoman and the policeman in the middle. Or the, sorry, the police officers in the middle. The one on the horse is definitely just a guy in a horse in a hat. It's not a police officer. He doesn't have a police outfit it's, on. Um, I actually do believe that one on the horse is Dennis Farina. <laughs> And this guy on the top left, right at the top there, just peeking in. He's, oh, he's, yes. I can see him. No, he wears a policeman's hat, but that's all we can see. And then you've got the guy on the motorbike, Chips guy, who is wearing a reflective belt. So I'm, <laughs> I'm assuming that that probably isn't a police officer because I would imagine that they don't... Do they? I, I want him to have a blue light on his helmet, but I don't think they do that. But they should. No, 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 no. <laughs> And I meant on his head. do that in, like, naked gun. <laughs> I know. But that's how it should be. I am pretty sure that this game... Because it says you have, at your command, around 500 officers, is that? Or is that 800? I can't... It's the blurry text. It's uh, hard to read. Yeah, it's 500 officers. 100 vehicles. Rather. And a host of other units. They've got 100 vehicles. What are the other units? 
All that goes to make up four city police stations, in fact. All you have to do is keep the crime rate down and the people happy. Well, yeah. if that ain't a remit for the police force, I don't know what it is. It's my mind games, well, it, ironically. So The other units, they're, uh, the, uh, the Dennis Farina... Uh, Horse patrol. That's you know. There's the there's the small guy at the top. I, I don't know. It's not a very good advert. It doesn't encourage me to think that. I imagine you know we're gonna we're gonna get this game because it's coming for the CBM sixty four. Yeah. So I'm gonna make you play this. I'm mystified as to why the police car <laughs> button would have a turret with a police light on it, <laughs> as opposed to just having the word police written on it, which it doesn't have. Um, no. So so I'm guessing that that is actually just one of the. One of the, uh, at the moment, of course, because they're not police cars nowadays, either. They're all highway maintenance. So whenever you're driving down the road on a motorway in Britain and you see the flash of a multicolored stripes on the back of a van, car, yeah. vehicle, it's actually not a police car, it's highway maintenance 99% of the time. They're the fourth biggest army in the world now. And um, that what, is highway maintenance yeah, people. Exactly, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, they're, <laughs> you know, they're just behind, you know, the sort of the army, navy, military, highway maintenance. There's more <laughs> highway maintenance vehicles on the road now than ever before. Anyway, that's definitely... And, they're doing, and ironically, they're doing more, there's so many of them, they're doing so much damage to the highways that they're actually creating <laughs> own work for themselves. Yeah, well, they've got flying horses, look, because that horse is just flying through the air. Um, it doesn't look bothered, though, which is always nice. Very stiff-legged horse, that. It's very, very stiff-legged. No feet. It's very... <laughs> that horse doesn't need feet. I mean, that's it flies. A, in all fairness, that's a well-shaded policeman um, who's talking into his radio there. So they've got him for realistic facial shading on that to the point of... Yeah. You know, agony. They've even given the woman makeup. Um, but I don't think this is exactly the force. It's a bit like the bill. Um, it worries me that there's a police simulation. I bet it's not real. If in the 80s, of course, you'd have had to amass at least 700 police officers to smash miners. Is, um, is that fun that as well? Is, <laughs> yeah, true. I don't want that. Is that font very familiar does it is that the same font they use for the bill yeah it's for the, kind of for the force it's, yeah it's kind of the police font isn't it um i don't know why that is but it is it does look like that i think it's because it's got, it's got the blue and white the little blue and white sort of checkerboards running off it that is kind of you know that the police are blue and white checks they were then. yeah not now but they were then let me have a look so but it's, um strange it's a, it's that. yeah but just looks you know so dull <laughs> well, look at the so weird boring. graphics. It looks like a massive map. The top one, it all looks like a strategic map and, and deployment stuff and very dull, and they look like Spectrum screens, so who knows what this it's is going to be it's like. The, it's the same T, but the bill is written not all in capitals, but the T is the same. Yeah, it'll be the same font. It's the it's the, it's the same font, just all in capitals. Very heavy serif on the uh, letters there. Very heavy serif now. Heavy serif. And that, that checkerboard line sort of thing, that checkerboard squaring sort of thing, that's off the uh, Bill logo. Yeah, and the F is massive in force, isn't it? Why do that? Why is it a massive F? I don't get it. Why that? Why that letter? Just the force. Like, just why that one letter is huge. It's just... I don't, I, it doesn't need to be, does it? It doesn't have to be a big F. No. Who, who, no. who enlarged the F in force? <laughs> The question. Somebody really likes their ads. Well, that's the crime they're trying to solve. That's why the police officers are looking befuddled. The guy on the horse is like, what the hell? The police officers at the bottom are like, well, the traffic warden and the other traffic warden are like, why are we even, why are we even here? We're not police officers. We shouldn't be in this game. And so, the guy on his motorbike is floating somewhere. He is, he's bemused by the uh, the entire operation. And I'm just looking at the map names there. I can just see Ross something and Sun something. Sun. What? Well, that How? could be Sun Hill. Sun Hill. It, it is Bill the game, isn't it? I bet this came out later as the Bill. Yeah, it is the Bill the game. Yeah, the Bill the game. Yeah. No Bill, one wants that. Bill the game. Bill the game. <laughs>
Anyway, on that note, that's your, that's your crap verts, the force, battle of the planets. That just so annoys me. And the confusing <laughs> Max Headroom. That's your lot for this week. What are we going to do now, sort of thing? Yes. So we've looked at what games have we looked at today? We've looked at Mercenary, uh, which was, you know, we appreciate its tech chops, but it's not for us. Nightshade, Dragon Skull, awful ultimate nonsense iridium yep would look good in arcade one man is droid and cane you could do a lot worse than pay for these at two quid and enigma force which is a bit confusing and a bit of a disappointment after shadow fire what we got coming up next week next week we have more games so obviously from march 1986 we've got hardball quake minus one we've got the conversion of kung fu master Hi-ya! we've got nodes of yes sorry arc of yes odd death wake Critical Mass, and Yabba Dabba Doo. God. Mm-hmm. So say Yabba Dabba Doo, Graham. Yabba Dabba Doo. Yeah, Yabba Dabba Doo. Where can people find us? Tell people where they can find us, Graham. You can find us on zaptothepast.com. You can find us on Twitter under at zaptotother. You can find us on Facebook under zaptothepast. And mm-hmm. in fact, if you Google zaptothepast, you're going to find us that way as well. You can also you email yes. us at zaptothepast at gmail.com. Yes, you can. And yeah, so that's good. Find us all there. If you like us, tell other people. Yes, this share. always comes at the other end of adverts so, uh, in podcasts, and we don't normally do it, but you know, we might as well get in on this gig, you know. We might as well. So if you if you do like listening to us and you know people that are in the into two guys talking about C sixty four games for far too long, then tell them. You know, tell them that we were you know that they can spend their time with us and that would be quite nice. If you like us and you're listening to us on Apple, then hey, you know, people always say like, subscribe, and share, rate and review us because supposedly it helps for some reason. It does. I don't understand. I don't understand why it helps, but supposedly it helps. I don't know who it helps? You know, whether it's the homeless or the aged, I don't know. It helps something. So if you listen to us on Apple, then give us a give us a review that would be quite nice and I think on that note I've done because I'm not going to say anything more about that nonsense I've been Adrian Mills I have been Graham Raddings and you've been listening to Zap to the Past and we'll be back with another episode next week thank you for listening to the Zap to the Past podcast we hope you enjoyed our deep dive into the world of Commodore 64 games as well as the music sites sounds and news from around the 1980s driven of course by the issue of Zap 64 magazine published at the time We will be back next week with another podcast, so do please join us. Until then, please head over to zaptothepast.com to sign up to our email list, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. You will also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram under Zap to the Past. The Zap to the Past podcast is written and produced by Adrian Mills and Graham Raddings and recorded at Flaky Bits 2.0 Studio. All opinions expressed are those of the writers and while we indeed love the Zap64 magazine, the Zap to the Past podcast is not affiliated with it in any way. Stay safe and see you next time.